I did not do anything with a child and I am pretty fat, so. It's, it's youngest, oldest. So we're going in. Any coaches? Boom, boom. No, boom. just players, man. And no walk-ons. No walk-ons? No really? walk-ons. No. Okay. okay. Scholarship only. Trying to get them up. Because they can shout smart the cops. <clears throat> trying to get them up. Scholarship. All right, you ready? Let's do it. Welcome into another edition of the Big Red Louie podcast. Yes, it is a beautiful night in Louisville. No, I am not sweating everywhere. It's like 85 degrees. You cannot beat this weather in the middle of July. Jacob Blaine, the host of the Big Red Louie podcast. I've got my partner in crime, Presley. Presley, how are you, dude? What up? I could not be any better, honestly. Yeah, you played golf today. I played golf. golf. Um, How'd you do? Okay, so I could tell you the story about how I lost by seven strokes to 250 handicappers. Uh, that means nothing to me. So you so, gotta speak English. So me, me and my other buddy, who is a decent golfer, we decided to play my future brother-in-law and his buddy, who are both absolutely terrible at golf. Like don't even have golf bags. And we spot. They played us both in a scramble format. So basically, you hit the ball and then you go to the best ball and then you hit it again. Yeah. But we spotted them two strokes each time. So we made two eagles in like three holes and we lost by seven. So. Question for you. Don't spot people two strokes in a scramble because it's actually Hold on. We strokes. got people We're talking. There. Alex Stingle, ladies and gentlemen. Alex Stingle. The most beautiful hey big guys. red Louie rider we have, I'd say. Wow. Dude's bulking Damn. up. You seen him? Wow. Been eating steaks and Chipotle burger wraps, I hear. I am personally offended. <laughs> We've been so, trying dude. to save money, so we're just cooking more at home. Well, it's you're looking like you've been trying to bulk up. I appreciate that. Football season's coming. It so, is. You, know, like, you got to get ready for that. Just in case. You never know when they might pull you on the field. Like, they're right. like, oh, right. where's That's the bulkiest the guy? There he is. Fast go, button kick contest. Woo! If things go south early for the Notre yeah. Dame game, I'm just trying to get myself ready. Yeah, well, we, in I, the I first you. the first two to three games, you have to wear a tank top. It's going to be hot as balls. And then by the fourth game, you're going to be wearing like three different three jackets. I'm going to be – you're going to make me look like such a fatty. If you wear a tank top, because I gotta wear big clothes, because I got the, you know, I got a big belly that I gotta hide. You're gonna Alex wear a tank top, man. By football season, he'd be jacked, jacked enough that he's gonna have his own like subtitle at the bottom of the screen when they show him on ESPN. <laughs> yeah. He'd be like Alex Stengel and his fat friend. <laughs> of all the mean? ways I thought this intro could go, this was not. Dude, we're complimenting you, man. Ethan yeah, Sproles also on. with us. What's going on? Vice president of the villains. I never can remember your title. What's the what's the title now? These days? Vice president. Now. Vice president. These days, yeah. Ooh. You doing alright, man? It's been a while since we talked to you. It has. It has. Um, doing good. Good. Doing good. Moved into the house by U of L. Yeah. That's interesting. I have to pay for things that. What's it like being pay. an adult? Uh, it's not. I mean, it's. <laughs> says it's the man fun, with the child. Serious question. So you've been in my house probably eight, ten times now. How much more respect do you have about the cleanliness level of my house? Now that you've been to my house, what about compared After, to my house? It's yeah, yeah. It's a respectable level, and Jacob, you as well. Uh, you all have very clean houses. I do you. zero cleaning. Does it we'll smell bad out there? It Does do, my house it, smell bad? It kind of smells like pepperoni. I'm not. Gonna, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza man in here. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. But Presley? yeah, it's great. You got good decorations, and you got some nice Louisville. You got some very good decorations. Uh, memorabilia. What's Thank the, you. It's all soon it, coming. It's those, my world's gonna come crashing are those down. Those basketball cards. Floral. What is that? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the nice. that's that's a poster with every single season ticket from the final year of Freedom Hall. That was before oh, you were born. You don't remember that? The, yeah. The, Who's Conker? I, <laughs> I watched that game at my grandma's house. I was running around like a. And crazy I was kid. wearing my diaper. I, I was like ten. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, Presley. I I'm not gonna let you off the hook. So you got beat to basically average Joe's by okay. seven. Okay. Hold on. My only question is. Yeah. And the listeners were are they leaving. wearing pants? Yes, they were. They were both wearing pants. They See, both wore. 
Khaki pants, yeah. a white shirt. Look, and man. A khaki see, that shocks me because they yeah. like he showed up. Yeah, he looked like he golf, was about to go play around to, at the British the Open. Yeah, like you were. Wa- I'm, in summer, I just have a rule. Like if it's anything recreational, I'm probably not gonna wear. It. We played a we played I'm a scramble for nine holes and it good today. Me, it wasn't that hot. me and the other guy shot three under. It's still sunny. And we that's lost true, by seven. Yeah, it could be ninety degrees, and he's wearing sweatpants. Like that's his thing. He yeah, just wears look, sweatpants. Okay. True. Are see, you wearing pants it, right now? He's wearing I have pants on right sweatpants now. and fuzzy slippers yeah. right now. See, like Dead I, as a big kid growing up, I'm just a perpetual sweater all the time. Like I am a heat same, I, and that's because I'm fat, not because I'm. Would you call yourself a big kid? Yeah. Is that what oh, you said? God, we haven't even whipped out the the kid. Dude, Alex was an offensive lineman like five years ago. All right, this is like a extreme makeover. I'm on episode. that Eric Wood diet plan. Like they just like, dude is jacked. Through. I mean, he, he looks great. Yeah, but he's also he looks lost like he looks 150 phenomenal. pounds. Like easily the he the easily it's got to be the smallest he's the, ever the been. You see the pictures they posted from him talking to the team today? Dude looks like I don't know something chiseled. Something chiseled. Speaking <laughs> of something, something chiseled nice. in the picture, we're we're gonna talk <laughs> something about, descriptive. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna talk tonight with uh, with Sonoris Perry, former Louisville running back. We're also going to talk with Barton Simmons. I don't of 247 Sports. I don't know if he's chiseled or not. Like, I'm, not, sure. I'm not going to. He, and the video, he played football he like at Yale. That's what he said. So yeah. he looks like he's in good shape. Is that going to be our first interview question going forward, just to everybody? Well, so, are you chiseled? So, so have you been ever, or are you currently in great physical condition? <laughs> How much do you pay for your gym membership? It's under 50 bucks. We don't want to hear about it's it. No, yeah, yeah. yeah I right, have a great question for us. Sure. Talking about Senor's Perry, especially starting training camp tomorrow. Would we be? <laughs> we both thought the same would, thing. You called him. What'd you say it again? Senoris. Spanish accent. You got to roll the R. Yes, Senoris. Or you got to roll the S, not the R. That's an N. Either way, training camp is starting tomorrow. Would we, as just average people, no, be able to like do one training camp? Give me five minutes. No, no. Like, could we go through one? I would be tired after the jumping jacks. In the up downs, which like they I, have multiple up downs workouts throughout practice. the day, I'm sure. Like, yeah, like two or three, things, yeah. But like between weightlifting in in the weight room or like conditioning outside, would you be able you to would. do? What, I don't yeah. think. Hell no, I couldn't. I could make it for I'm about five minutes. For an average person, these guys are professional athletes. Correct. That are, that but are like you're not struggling. getting hit though. Like, mate, you might feel a little pukey after, but you're gonna make it through. Like, you're not. My right? fiance no? took me to Cycle Bar last week, and I almost had to leave halfway through. <laughs> what place Dude. did you come in? Oh, I, oh, I didn't put my. You have an option yeah. now whether you want to be seen on the TV or not. So I, I <laughs> sure as hell took Dude, myself my, out. No. So my wife took me to the gym that she works out in town called Burn Boot Camp, where they do these just ridiculous like workout boot camp things. Yeah, it, sure. It's pretty implied in the name, but I legit lasted for about seven minutes. Felt like I was going to throw up, and I just walked out. Right. And I, it's still to this. Mm. My my wife is in great shape. Like I, she could probably lap me running a mile easy. Uh, and I'm afraid to go back. She asked me all the time, "You're gonna go with me?" Hell no! I don't want to throw up. In front Your of wife a bunch pushed of like an eight pound child. No, she pushed out of like her. a twelve pound child. Well, she didn't. It was whatever. But it, you're right. So she's in great shape. I am not. I did not do anything with a child, and I am pretty fat. So <laughs> like, I don't know what's more more There's more a, sad. A but good sound bite on there. the on the topic of chiseled people <laughs> and pictures. I'm assuming that we have all seen the picture that Louisville Basketball posted this weekend of the team playing paintball and the intimidating person that is Aiden Nagehan. Looks like a superhero. I have Look, never Aiden, seen anything like inc- that. Looks incredible. I think it's, my favorite was just somebody on Twitter said, Sean Oakman apparently yeah. just signed up for Louisville Basketball. And that's, I kind of agree because 
we all knew he was big and we all heard his nickname and thought it was great and we were all chanting it last year at Louisville Live but, but like I don't know even as a freshman I just didn't think he'd be like that physically developed and I don't know whether it'd be like pissed off or impressed or or jealous or like all three <laughs> uh, the funny part to me too is like the vanity metrics of Aiden Gahan like he he's so uh, socially aware of his brand so when he showed up to Louisville he just deleted all of his high school stuff Genius. he's just like I'm just done with high school Genius. like anything from Ireland anything from high school just done well, what he just if, has like three pictures what have you Instagram. seen nowadays every kid that gets drafted now like mm-hmm. an hour later you see some random dude on Twitter. Look what this mm-hmm. guy said yep. 8 years ago as yeah. a 14-year-old. Blah Can't blah blah. Him. Like that's yeah. a genius move that every kid should probably make if they have any aspiration of going pro yep. in either right. in whatever sport they're trying to go into cuz it's it's getting like old brought up dirt is getting so much more prevalent now that it's just out there. Yep. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. out there in the ether where you can always find it if you dig deep enough and yeah, that and now, now my man is cutting himself out of pictures with other people, so he looks even more jacked. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Dwayne Sutton? He was a close second to Aiden. Oh, absolutely. He yeah. looks like he has gotten even stronger than he was last year. Which, if that's the case, I feel bad for a lot of dudes there. I would not want to guard him. Like he—he's the guy, no. and it's almost like the opposite of Along Came Paul. If you've ever seen the guy who's like big and sweaty, and he gets his face rubbed on his belly, it'd be similar. Like in that, I don't want to guard this guy, but for the opposite reasons, because you know you're about to get banged on compared Dude, to just hairy, so sweaty belly in your face. Dude, I, imagine how many, like, if you and Dwayne Sutton just played pickup basketball for 15 minutes, imagine how many bruises you'd have on him. I body. would, I, here's how I would beat him I'd make him shoot, I wouldn't guard him. I'd, and well, you'd still lose. Yeah. I would need a teammate, though. <laughs> no, you're right. I would totally get dunked on, but I would need a teammate to help me enforce the paint so that. Because if it's just me, he's just gonna run straight and dunk on me. Like it's gonna be super. I like easy. how you say one of us has to enforce the paint. Like that's gonna go down. <laughs> it's well. you, man. I think you're I, the bulky I one. I think I told you, out Dwayne Sutton or Aiden Gahan. No like one I, I think I told you a couple days ago. I texted you as soon as that photo came out. I'm like, Dwayne Sutton's traps alone are gonna get like seven or eight rebounds a game. Like <laughs> he's got sh- muscles growing on muscles that will get rebounds. Right. Well, and then okay. So in terms of the the strength and conditioning style between. Patino and and Mac, I think now we're really starting to see like the two come full circle. Because obviously, old school, we could outrun any team in the country. Like we had endurance for days, um, and I'm sure we still have somewhat, you know, endurance running up and down the court. But we are way stronger. And I think I think the way the ACC is set up, especially with the physical teams that are in the ACC with us, I. I think more strength bodes well, especially right. for the rebounding, the toughness, like the the whole culture he wants to build on the basketball side of things is is literally, you know, tough together, unbreakable. You're not breaking. If, if you're just running all the time, you're not going to be, you know, like physically that that tough. In my, I mean, yeah. like, yeah, you're going to be tough, but like getting jacked kind of helps. Aiden, Aiden reminds me a lot. I mean, obviously he's twice as big, but he reminds me a lot of Jeff Adrian. If you remember him that played at UConn, like Jeff Adrian is quite possibly the most muscular big man I've ever seen. I mean, it, it was ridiculous what he did. If you, if you remember when Louisville played against, um, against, I think he played with Hashim to beat. I mean, we had nobody that could guard him. He was like six, five, six, six, very similar to Dwayne Sutton, but he was like Aiden's muscular level, like the same size and everything. Uh, and that's what Aiden is. Like Aiden is literally going to break somebody in half at some point. Like, like I am not kidding. And the fact that if somebody 
like tries to go up for a rebound, they're they're gonna break a bone just from an elbow. Like he or is. Or someone tries to take a charge and he's barreling down the no, lane. No, you couldn't pay me to take a charge from him. But you also it, made a. Oh, he's sorry. going to you pay me. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to just put someone on a poster. Yeah. No. At I, some point. I definitely agree. Year. So uh, the video that came out with it was pretty interesting. I don't I don't know a whole lot about paintball, but what I do know is that I wouldn't want Aiden on my team. He's just he's just a tad bit too big, right? Right. Am yeah. I the only one that would like for for paintball? For yeah, paintball. It depends You're on your mindset. Stick out like though. A sore thumb, man. It depends on your mindset. He could be the tank of the team. Take take all the damage. So you get hit once, you're out. Yeah, I was gonna say. How so if you, uh, I mean, you what? Can stretch the rules a little bit, maybe. I don't know what. I'm rules just trying to playing. make it interesting a little bit. The one guy that says he's actually played paintball, and you're talking about stretching the rules that we don't even know about. I. What if I just want you all to draft Aiden so I can? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, let let's go through this. I think this would be an interesting exercise. You have, I think, what, 15 guys on the roster this year. Let's let's go through and pick our ideal paintball teams. We'll take. Three players a roster. Three three players a roster, so 12, 12 players total. Some okay. people are get so left a couple off. of guys will yeah. get left off. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. It just is what it is. And it's honestly, it's probably going to be the big guys. Yep, yep. So so we're going to go we're gonna go youngest to oldest. So Ethan, by default, you're first. Who, who are you taking? I'm taking Ryan McMahon. Okay, good first pick. pick. Interesting. Ryan I McMahon. Feel, something just tells me I feel like he'd be really freaking good at paintball. He could be. I feel like he played sneaky. a lot. Yeah, he probably fast. played a lot. Probably played a lot of COD. I don't know. I could just. I, something tells me he did. I don't know. You're on a podcast where people might not know. No, man. You, you call it COD. Call of Duty. You want to play some COD? <laughs> that's such all a right, fat boy right, thing. What a nerd. All right, so you would be next, right? You're younger than me, so that's. Uh, um. I'm gonna take Darius. Perry. Dang man, that's how I was gonna yes, pick. Yes, because I, I'm crazy. thinking the combination of speed and size is gonna that's be a good pick. is gonna yeah. be useful, and I think that Darius Perry has played more Call of Duty, <laughs> COD, than Ryan McMahon. Yeah, I could believe that. All right, so we're all gonna go guards first. I'm gonna take Fresh Kimball. I mean, I just need a small guy who's sneaky, quick, tough, not afraid to to get a little <laughs> dirty. Give me Fresh. All right, I'm going Dwayne uh, because you got bullets flying at your left and right. That dude's probably not even like blinking an eye. Like he seems, especially now that he's like, you know, chiseled, superhumanly. I think he he would be great in terms of uh, in, intensity. He would just stay very calm. Yeah. And just mm. start just pegging people Good left point. and right. I really like your pick, though, Presley, of Darius Perry, because in paintball, I would assume you need to be elusive. Like, you need yeah. to be able to dodge bullets. I can see him being pretty good at being able to dodge yeah, paintball if can, bullets. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a paintball wrench. Absolutely. Ethan. Second friend, pick. What do you got, Ethan? I'm, I'm analyzing this picture very carefully. Hold on. Oh, you have this picture pulled up. Yeah, I think that's important. a good one to pull up. Um, Look, who has paint on them and who doesn't? I think this is before they started, right? Uh, they. I mean, they're already sweating a lot. Maybe I don't know. Who are you picking? Pick. Time's I, running I, out. I'm, I, I'm going to go Two. Sam Williamson. He looks. Okay. He looks like he knows what he's doing in that picture. Okay. Yeah. Press. Ooh, buddy. Um, I'm going to go really super random. Pick Jalen Withers. I, I was going to actually because he's like Slender Man. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why. <laughs> exactly why. He seems wiry. So I'm thinking less dimensions, right? And he's he's lanky. So my man could possibly you like duck behind something. I, I'm not sure exactly how yeah. this works, but I think you could duck behind something and kind of like, you know, shoot like without looking. Yeah. 
Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna follow you in the same kind of vein of what you're thinking. I'm gonna go Quince Lazinski because I need a guy who can reach up over some bigger targets, yeah. um, and, and kind of shoot down on people. That's a good point. You need a sniper. Quinn will be my sniper. Yeah. Quinn will be able to. Be, he's quick enough as a as a combo forward to be able to duck in and out of fire, but also be able to get you know get high and get down on some of the players yeah. below him. So give me Quinn. Good pick. Mm. We got? I want. Nickelberry, just because I like it. I like that pick. You too. can get elusive all you want, but in paintball, I feel like speed's also going to come in handy, mm-hmm. and that kid is just going to fly around the corners and just start. All right, so let's go over what we got. We got Ethan with Ryan McMahon and Sam Williamson. Um, I have Darius Perry and Jalen Withers. Jacob has Fresh and Quinn, the sniper, and Alex <laughs> has Dwayne and Nickelberry. Okay. I mean, who do you think? Who do you think's winning so far? Like. If you just had to guess, like if we're going, we're going two on two. I think I got a pretty. I mean, look at Ryan McMahon in that picture. Are you kidding me? That's a stone cold killer. <laughs> Who right was your there. second pick? Sam Williamson, okay. right next to him with the hoodie and the pants. You're just going by facial expressions. You're just going by well, guys. Well, well, this is painful. Not, not mean, totally, but who was your who was your first pick, uh, Alex? Uh, who did I say? Uh, Dwayne. Dwayne. Yep. Ethan. For my last pick, with the third pick in the third round of the of the paintball draft, <laughs> I need, the Louisville paintball draft. We need, you know, my team. I, I like I like my team so far, but we need a vocal leader. We need we need a the commando. We need a general uh, out there on the field. And I, for that reason, am gonna go with the sharpshooter himself, Jordan Warren. Damn you! That was my next Sharpshooter on the court. I was about to get my Sharpshooter on the field. So, Darius, and who is your second pick, Presley? Jalen Withers. Jalen Withers, and who is your third pick, Presley? Hogan or Ball. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to go Aiden Gahan. And you said that you didn't think anybody was going to pick Aiden Gahan. I did not, because he's... He he is a massive target. Like your thing is, you want to be you want to be able to avoid being hit. All right, right. But my computer's gonna die, and I want to put this on the pole. So let's move forward a little bit here, and we'll come back and we'll react okay, to it okay. at the end. Okay. I am going to be stuck in a rock in a hard place here. I don't know who sh- who I should take, but I'm gonna take Malik. He's tall, he's skinny, and he can dodge things. So I think that's a good pick. I also just want to point out that for a generic funny five-minute segment, we are taking this very seriously. Way right too now. seriously. It's going yeah. on the Twitter poll. This is one of the I, best, get I was, one of the I was best still going with the generic done. funny. Okay, so with that, I'm going to go with the hometown hero, mm. uh, Mr. Johnson. Good pick. I like that pick. He's, hold, think, he's holding the gun up in the picture. Well, and, and reading from all the recent articles, like he's had a phenomenal, you know, like practices so far, really showing some early mm. leadership signs, just killing it right now. Uh, so why can't that translate to the paintball field? If right, we're getting serious about it. it, poll is up. If you are listening to this podcast, hopefully you're listening to it on uh, Wednesday the 24th, and you can still vote on this. Which team would you take at paintball? They're all spelled out right here. Twitter, go and vote. Let's see. We'll come back next week and we'll react to this. It's been a great show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great night. Just kidding. Let's talk about John Paul Jones. Well, I thought you were serious <laughs> there for a second. <laughs> Let's talk about The Bachelorette last night. Did you guys watch it? Did you see what Luke P. did? Did oh you see gosh. what John Paul Jones did? I have no idea what any of that means. I'll I'm show myself Tressley. out. Yeah, I, I'm I, totally kidding. I don't want to talk I've about that. I've watched a couple seasons in my day, but I have not watched a minute. You, you know of, what's really surprising? I know that from conversations with Presley that his fiance encourages him to watch it when she's watching it. My wife and I, that's a Monday night ritual in our houses to watch. I think it's actually pretty good television for the most part. It depends on when it is and what it is. 
you have so your fiance has not encouraged you or pushed you to watch that show at all. No. So what we did is we picked up uh, through I think probably Game of Thrones is when it started, but we picked up the HBO subscription, and so uh, they have a lot of really really good shows on Sunday nights, but it does get pretty late, and so we're trying to be responsible and go to bed at a good time. But what that does is leave us good shows to watch on Monday, uh, I was gonna Tuesday, say, you know, The Bachelor and, and no, Wednesday. Monday night. No, no, no. So yeah, I'm no, just you're saying, right. Like, you're right. So we don't. We've kind of drifted away from reality television, and we're now we're watching sure. you know more intense things yep. on on really cool networks. But yeah, yeah so I'm well, I'm more of a big little lies guy at the moment. I could um, I which, oh man I could we could have a full episode of I, talking about Big Little Lies. I called it Pretty Little Lies for like oh hell yeah like I still call it that. Two seasons. I thought, it was, and, I thought that's what it was. No, it's Big Little Lies. Right. Reese Witherspoon, so Nicole confused, Kidman. Right? She's starting Isn't to get that upset. That a show though, Pretty Little Liars. That's it is. It is. No, it is. That's yeah. the thing. That, but it's not the same thing. Not even close. Two it's totally like, different. It's thing. like that's girls your cool. age versus like grown adults with kids and females. How is it not like a copyright? infringement no, because type it's a different word. I think they're both books. That's they're the very part. similar like, names, though. Like, big, big and pretty. And pretty. <laughs> because they're actually pretty. Put it on the poll. Are, are the Wait, words big and pretty? Don't they both have liars in their name, too? Right? Pretty little liars, yes. And, what's and the other big one? little lies. That's kind of, That's like... I gotta think of something. That's like saying... Chick-fil-A. No, you're, no, you're not even... <laughs> you can't think of anything close to that. I will I say, last thing on HBO, if you guys haven't watched the new Westworld trailer, it Ooh, I have not. crazy. I, so I I have started watching Westworld, and the the thing that... It, it's a great show. You it's really mind-boggling. The thing is, is I can't get past the Western stuff. Like, I don't care about Western society in terms of, like, cowboys and wrangling and murdering. And it reminds me of the show or the movie Holes. Like, I feel like someone's going to pop out with the lizards. And <laughs> but, like, like, that's literally not what it's about at all. <laughs> no, like, it, it's no, I can't. And the movie Holes is an excellent movie. No, the movie Holes is great. Don't get me wrong. We read that in third grade, Jacob. I know. And he was probably not born yet. Miss Jennings came. class. I watched Holes and Red Holes. Great. Great story. Look, Stanley, Red Holes. You're getting this or whatever. Is there a sequel? <laughs> what? There is not a sequel of the movie Holes or of the book. I said Red. I'm so like confused. Red the book. Oh, I thought you said Red Holes. No, I was like, is that the sequel holes. on Mars or something? Is like, that something that we shouldn't talk can, about on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can we just table the Stanley Yelnat story for like some other time? Yeah, we can definitely okay, come yeah. back down later and, and break down Stanley just Yelnats. Just for clarification, my first and last name backwards is Ryan Yelserp. <laughs> I just want to let you know. All right, we're going on a weird rabbit hole. Interesting. Let's transition a little bit. Let's talk football, which is, if anybody is still listening, is what they came here for. I doubt it. Um, Grandma D. You know what's – shout out Grandma D. We love you so much. We hope you're doing wonderful in Pennsylvania. Is that correct? That is right. All right. We hope to see you soon. Maybe we can take the show on the road and, and, on the road and do a show in Pennsylvania with Grandma D. If she comes to Louisville, we can do a podcast at my house because uh, she typically stays there um, when when she does come to Louisville. So sure. you guys could actually meet her in person. Sure. And she'll probably grab a beer with us. I bet she would. Let's talk a little bit of Louisville football. <laughs> For the first time in what feels like forever outside of recruiting, there's actually stuff happening. I mean, Scott Satterfield said it at Media Day that Media Day marks a time of like, oh, football's happening. Like football's about to start. Uh, it, it was a pretty interesting week hearing him talk on a, in front of a national audience, I think that he said a lot of interesting things. My my worry with Media Day was him going up there and not saying anything, which is... What happens most of the time. And, you know, I, I understand you have a new program. You're trying to really get, you know, inundated and try to figure things out. But he's not said much of anything all summer. 
but outside of like you know the culture is changing we're playing hard we're going to try and i thought that he was really really vulnerable and really uh transparent about what the summer has been like and kind of things um and, and how things have unfolded and really how he what happened when he got here and his reactions so i want to lob this question out to the group media day reactions is there anything that was said that stood out to you was there anything that wasn't said that stood out to you what did the players say something did the coaches say something go ahead i think that scott satterfield is underselling this team i do i think that he has i don't know i just think that there's a hunch that there's talent on this team right i think there's a general feeling that this team could definitely achieve much greater things than last year um and i think that he's kind of playing the exact opposite of what bobby vitrino did last year he kind of went to media day and then he kind of doubled down on his comments at media day um at the the kickoff luncheon with just the absolute just insane um comments saying that louisville's gonna be better last year than they were with lamar jackson um since then there's been comments from players saying um, when you lose a little Mar Jackson, you lose the glue to the program. I don't know. If, I believe it was Eric Crawford that wrote the article, um, I believe today, about um, just kind of detailing more about just the ridiculousness that um, leads to just complete piss off in this for me um, that went on behind the scenes with Louisville football. Anyways, I think that, that Scott Satterfield is underselling it um, as a kind of just – overreaction to how Bob Petrino framed things last year. I mostly agree with Presley. Um, and yeah, you can find that Eric Crawford article because it, it, it's literally titled We Were Alone in like 84 size font on WDRB.com. <laughs> Great headline. Um, but I think I, I said a couple weeks ago, like the not knowing anything about this team is probably Satterfield's best leverage he has going into this season. That That's, in my mind, like you said, I think he's underselling, which he's smart to do because, hell, Vegas has his, has his at what, three and a half games, mm-hmm. I think, still? So, so yeah, why wouldn't you want to keep the expectations there to, to just, you know, undersell, over-deliver, all that stuff? Uh, but at the same time, I mean, we mentioned since the – you know, the whole thing is, you know, did Bobby quit first? Did the team quit? Like, everybody basically quit at some point last mm-hmm. season, which means to me you got a new coach, a new scheme, and a whole new group of, you know, the same players but the whole new mindset of motivation. So you really don't have much film. You have the, you know, you have the stars and you can check the raw talent and, okay, so we, we got a key on Tutu and we got a key on Dez and all these guys that you know are going to be good. But they have no idea how this team's going to operate. They, no. Like we're we're still questioning depth chart things. If we're oh, doing sure. that as fans, I mean, what does that mean for for other teams we're about to play? Because they really, like, I think him knowing that no one else knows what we're going to look like, they're totally well. They have to use that to they their have advantage. To, they have if to, they want to win more right. than three and a half games. Right, and that's why that leads to my reasoning. That's why I am thinking that because. You when you go two and ten, you have to use every yep. single advantage that you have, um, and I think one of the advantages is just mystery for Louisville football. I think there's so much talent on this team right. that has just completely gone untapped. I mean, we detailed this on the website just today. There's guys like Gary McRae. There's guys like Boozy Whitlow who are you know fifth year seniors 
Um, guys who have been around the program for a long time who've just never gotten their chance. Um, and these are guys that were high four stars come out of high school. Like these right. are guys that were highly regarded. And, and we know that Bobby, from from players talking and from people around the program, we know that he had a tendency to pick on guys and say, I don't like you. I don't mm-hmm. want you on the field. And we saw guys with SEC size and SEC caliber talent not play, and it left you wondering, what in the hell is wrong with this guy? Mm -hmm. And that is what kind of drives the narrative for fans of like, oh, you you mean to tell me that we got a guy like Boozy Whitlow that can line up and actually get to the quarterback? You you mean to tell me we've got an offensive lineman like Adonis Boone who can play tight end and offensive line like he's that talented? And you mean to tell me that there's running backs and wide receivers who haven't even stepped onto the field? I mean, look at a guy like Justin Marshall who's been talked about as being the next Devontae Parker. He doesn't have a catch, and he's been here for three years. Like, right. And so the thing that is really frustrating is that you know that there's talent on this roster. But for me, what I took away more than anything was Satterfield for the first time pumping the brakes on, on just that, which is the roster on the talent alone. I mean, his quote in – from the breakout session where he where he talked about that some of the talent at Appalachian State would start in front of the guys on this roster, and it brings up the the point of, I mean this this roster is not full of two star players and not ranked players. No. I mean these are three and four star guys. So if that's the case, you mean to tell me that they just need to be coached up like that? That's encouraging, but it's also like, what the hell has happened over the last two years where you're right. losing so much yeah. talent and they're regressing like that? Well, and that's the thing. I think I took I interpreted that as as a discipline thing, not, not as just a raw talent. Like you just said, like, you know, we got overall, we have better, you know, rated players on Louisville than app state. But I think he's just saying he had app state running like a well-oiled machine when he left, uh, to where they could, if they didn't beat every team, they could at least compete. And we sure saw that with like the app or with the Penn States and every, every other big team they, they came up against. But I think there is a, a bit of truthfulness. He's just saying he's got guys on App State that could probably start ahead of Louisville because just from the they they're disciplined in that position and right. we're moving guys around. We have to teach them a new scheme and also you know I, I think I mentioned um, uh, talking about even the strength and conditioning. Like Siragano mentioned, like uh, the, the team as a whole, like he was surprised that their their training age wasn't wasn't that old. Right. Meaning meaning uh, I think he said training age. He explained it. Uh, to where it's how old or how long you've been consistently lifting weights. And he basically said when they evaluated a lot of these people, he's like, it kind of surprised me that this is a big power five school. And a lot of these guys are super young in their training age. And I'm like, okay, hold on. Because we've had nice facilities for – you know, more than just a, a season. And we had yeah. what we thought was a good strength and conditioning coach. I mean, I, I don't remember the, the – right. I should probably know the guy's name who was here before, but, I mean, you, you, you've you seen these guys, and it's not – it doesn't seem like these, these players weren't ready to play at the, the Power 5 level at the ACC like this. I mean, no. they look like the part of an ACC player, but it just goes and, and continues to tell the story of what the hell have they been doing for the last five years? Well, what the, are they doing? That's the thing. Yeah. Like, if you quit on the field, I'm sure, you know, you're not going to put in the effort in the weight room and off yeah. the field as well. It, I it, mean, that the whole mentality of, of everything we're reading about now from the Air Crawford article and all the other ones, we've we've kind of right. seen the, the ugly side of what he left behind. Right. And, and Ethan, before you jump in here, the three of us, meaning me, you, Presley, we, we spent last week talking with Keith Kelsey, who played for Louisville for four years. 
and we got to as well as Ivan Green from the 90s like we got to kind of see inside the program and get a feel of what last season might have looked like I mean Ivan went through that one in 10 season back in 97 or 98 I forget what year it was but what they told us continually is football players don't quit yeah. Those guys yeah. didn't quit last year. I mean, look, they did they go 100% all the time when they're getting beat by 60? No. Did that mean that they wanted to lose? No. I mean, you hear Dorian Etheridge and Seth Dawkins say, we thought before every game we were going to win. We thought that we were going to win. We believed in ourselves, but we didn't have the backing of our coaching staff yeah. in order to go out and actually <clears throat> win football games. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, my biggest takeaway from media day, obviously it's media day. There's not a whole lot of substance you can really take away was just how much of a fresh air Satterfield is and how glad I am that he is the guy leading our football program now um, because it came off very clearly even more so. I mean, obviously he's been very impressive since he's been hired That of how glad I am that he's the man leading these young men That because he seems like a true leader. I mean, he, he seemed pretty charismatic, good with the media, and that, that was just my biggest takeaway, right. that he, he's, a, he's the type of guy – that you would want to play for. Well, I, I think it's interesting that uh, Barton Simmons from from the director of scouting from 247, uh, who we have later, I think, in the podcast, uh, he made a, an interesting point, and I've, I've really actually simmered on that thought for a while, but I've never really talked about it. He mentioned that what happened last season, as much as it is a, a bad anomaly for the program, might end up being exactly what they needed for long-term success because obviously the way Bobby was going about things clearly you know it wasn't going to set up for success going forward I mean it wouldn't have even gone probably to this season uh, really so I think his point of you know if it wasn't for Louisville tanking if it wasn't for Petrino getting fired if it wasn't for Satterfield getting this opportunity to show hey I can bring the success in, in the what I did at App State to a bigger program, I'm immensely uh, excited that we're giving him that platform and opportunity to show yeah. why he deserves that next step. And I really don't think that would have happened if we would have even had a mediocre year last year. Are there any concerns from Media Day in terms of what he had to say about the roster? You know, he talked about having 15 offensive linemen and only there are 15 wide receivers and only eight offensive linemen, and he didn't think that was right. He talked about, like I said, a couple of guys he felt like at App State could come here and play. Like my my takeaway was. And, and Presley, you hit on this. It was a controlled message of, whoa, slow down. Mm-hmm. Things might be difficult this year. I felt like after media day, I'm now kind of like, oh, six wins? I don't know about that. Well, and I think any media personnel that had optimistic views about Louisville uh, with Satterfield in the first season, which, you know, that, that was rare to begin with. But like you just talked about with the mitigated expectations, I think they had the same thoughts after hearing him. But I think it, to back to Presley's point, that's exactly what he was wanting to do. Because after he said those comments, now you look at the ACC media rankings and look where we are, dead last. Which, I mean, yeah, that wasn't shocking. I'm sure if he would have pumped the team up, we would have still been in the same you know, standings. But the bar is so low right now. I, I think that's what mm-hmm. makes it almost exciting is that you know, we have a really, really challenging schedule. So if we get even four or five games, I think the the fans that understand having a tough schedule, really only expecting two to three wins probably, 
Um, I, I definitely think he wants that bar so low so we can kind of go above expectations in season one. Let's talk about this for a few seconds. I You hit on this of the, the ACC media writers and, and uh, people surrounding the the conference voting will the last. Is there any surprise there to you all? Because to me, it no. makes too much sense. I don't think yeah. that you can. I mean, <clears throat> and here's the thing. All you have to work off of is the performance from last year. Um, and it's just like last year, the expectations were super high. I think Louisville was picked, what, third or fourth in the conference? <laughs> that sounded like that? so good, man. I'm, I like that. Sorry. It sounded pretty good. It that did. could be like our official, like, yeah, uh, the beginning of the show. Is like just... the BRL tag. I like that. Yeah. Sorry. Um, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Anyways, I mean, and, and that's that. The reason for tempering expectations is because you want people to think that. Like, you want, um, you know, what's the, the first conference game? You want Florida State to come in and think, um, yeah, this Louisville team sucks. When in reality, Florida State should have lost Louisville last year. Heck yeah. We've been, ha- I mean, ever since we came to the ACC, we've been giving them a heck of a game. You could argue that we should have won almost every single game we Ex- played. Absolutely. One, but yeah, Except absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. So, point being, you when you temper expectations like that, like when like Florida State players are going to look at that, they're going to say Louisville wasn't only picked last in our side of the conference; they were they had the least amount of votes. Period. Well, and that's the thing. The he entire wants, conference. He, I think us being picked last, other teams are going to look over us. Like if we Absolutely. have if we're playing a team that's that true, has right. Clemson or has Virginia next game or something like that, of course you're not going to be as intense. Right. Rep and, wise and all that stuff. I mean, it's Louisville. They went two and ten. They're still, you know, supposed to be crap this year. Like, yeah, it's hard to get up if you're a better team. Uh, you know, for teams like that. The only two issues I really have with the Atlantic Division media rankings coming out is one, I don't think NC State's going to be fourth, especially with 666 points. You guys are doomed. First yeah. off, yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. a bad omen. Yeah. <laughs> but also. Who the hell gave Syracuse two first place votes? When <laughs> you know what? I've got a lot of. I've been trying to think of like the two people. I'm like, who the hell would really like just be like, you know insane. what? Screw it. I have got a lot of respect for the people who voted for the the for Syracuse because Mark Blankenbaker back in 2016 went to Media Day and was the only player, the only writer to predict Lamar Jackson winning the ACC Player of the Year, and he was correct. So I mean, yeah, Syracuse is giving Clemson got, some games too. That's and not, people were like, "Oh, what, who voted for Lamar Jackson? Yeah, what an well, idiot!" They, they beat Clemson, didn't they? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. And they came, they came, they super came close, right. super close. Uh, so, the other year. So two wow, two years actually, ago, Dino, he, that's he just not as crazy as that. Two years ago, Clemson's lost what two games in the last three years. And yeah. two years ago, Clemson went in to Syracuse and absolutely got pounded. Last year, Syracuse went down to Clemson and was leading with like three minutes left. So there is absolutely a reason to believe that Syracuse can hang with Clemson. Will they this I year? I swear yeah, to God, if they upset Clemson and end up first, I'm going to be dying. If yeah, we, if, and if we beat Syracuse and Syracuse beats Clemson, we're technically the national champion. That's right? pretty yeah. much how that works. Yeah. That is one hundred. So. Assuming Clemson wins it all. Look, yeah. I, I agree with you that NC State shouldn't be fourth, but I think that has more to do with the fact that there's just nobody to put in front of them. Oh, like yeah, I, I think, I think that, down this year here's my division. thing. I think Florida State is headed towards a Louisville season next, this this year. I think they could easily be that team that you're just like, how the hell are they three and nine? Like, well, that's why I think it's, for you is yeah, that just a I culture thing? I, I see uh, there's predictions all over the board. I've seen nine. Nine, ten wins for Florida State. I've seen four and five wins for Florida State. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a Florida State expert, but right. everything that I've read, 
it sounds like Willie Taggart is way in over his head. He has no idea what to do with that program. So here's the thing, Presley. Like when I was at WKU and Taggart came in, it was amazing because there was no expectations. Western right. hadn't won it. I think that the season before we finally won a game or something. Mm-hmm. But like for three straight years, when we went from like D2 into D1, we like they didn't win a football game. Right. So thank mm-hmm. God I was still in high school when that happened because like when we got to college, Taggart took over. It was so much fun, but yeah, there was there was very low expectations there, and he turned it around. You know, we got seven wins. That was phenomenal. Yeah, we I, made a bowl game, but then you get promoted. You go to bigger schools, right? And with bigger schools, there's more responsibility. And somehow he just kept jumping forward. From I mean, like one season at, jumping forward. Yeah, like, like I don't understand how you just barely like you drive to Oregon and then basically just like make a U-turn right back across the yeah, country. Well, he spent I, what yeah. he spent three years at South Florida helped kind of. Yeah, he was right, there for but, a bit. To yeah. that point, okay. It's another small what, school, though. I mean, it's, it's another small a, school. Yeah. They were he turned them happy. around, though. They were, he did. That's they were a, like two and ten, and then they won what? 11? I think they won eight games. I, I think is the most he's ever won. If I'm, I could really? be so oh, far I, off on that. I'm, I'm not gonna sit here again. I'm not a South Florida expert, but what I know is that he went to Oregon and he went six and six, and he turned right around and he went to Florida State and he went five and seven. But he that is not a good omen for you as a coach. Like he interviews so well. like he gets the students involved he gets, sure. so I, I get all the hype around sure. why he should be a great coach but yeah every now that he's starting to get like to the organs and fsus you have major donor like boosters and yeah. hardcore fan bases and i really think it's almost kind of like a charlie strong thing in texas to where yeah i think he can start sustaining you know success take. there but it's going to take way longer than fsu right. wants it to take because they're used to being fsu and we're used to, you know, being in the top five and beating everybody. And mm-hmm. He has that. a and, career losing record. Right, and they're only five years removed from a national championship. You have to consider those expectations. And the, and the program was headed – I mean, they were headed towards a total face plant with Jimbo. I mean, they went six and six the year he left. Really, they should have been – I think they – they, they had to add a game to their schedule just to make a bowl game. Yeah, right. Which I mean, yeah. and there was a lot of controversy around right. that. Uh, but point being, I you know, I think that there is a lot of there there's a lot of issues in the ACC Atlantic Division. I mean, I don't, I honestly don't think that there's but two good teams in that. Conference. I think three I mean, through seven is a toss up. And I think I told Ethan before the podcast started that that's why I have you know my first little wild prediction of the season is going to be. Satterfield's f- super early first right. major road win is Florida State. Could really be at Florida State because I think I they're they're trying to, I think they're really trying to mitigate right. what what like the turmoil going on down there. Yeah. Like you're you're not hearing probably half the story. The boosters are upset. The fans are upset. Well, I think the, the team, season tickets number the, uh, they are they're less than fifty percent. So right. I think and, that tells the story there. There's no yeah. excitement like, in that program, no and they're not going to get up for us. We were two and ten last year. Exactly. And, and another thing, if you if you read Eric Crawford's article, which is was a really nice piece, all the players said that Florida State loss, where we should have won, we were winning the whole game, had it won right. basically. That's when the win came out of the sales. And you don't think that those guys are going to get up for that game? You don't think they right. want that one right. back? They had that win. They literally had the win in their grasp. Like if right. they just I ran mean, the ball. Terrible, terrible coaching at its Can finest. we can we pull yeah. up who FSU has their first their first two games? We we can. But here's what I want to say. I was just while curious. Somebody's doing that. I, I think that if Louisville were to the finish the first three games, I, I'm not saying this is going to happen. So don't take me saying this is going to be what happens. But if Louisville finishes fourth in the coast in the in the Atlantic, I wouldn't be shocked. Like. I could totally see a scenario where they're better than NC State, 
Boston College, Florida State, and Wake Forest. Like I'm not and again, I'm not saying they're going to finish second or third or fourth, but I could see it to where they win six games. They they're they're headed towards the back half of the schedule, and they're in third or fourth place because of right. how bad the rest of the conference is. Like, when I think when we were talking bold predictions, I basically said I based mine off early momentum. So you get you know whatever happens with Notre Dame, just keep your held head held high. Just compete. Yeah. Just compete. Right. Be proud of that. Mm-hmm. Beat the crap out of EKU. Mm-hmm. I know my whole family went there, so I don't care. But whatever. Um, and then you know have a if they can have a just a controlled win over WK. I mean, like, from start to finish, yeah. just show that they are the better team. Because even people are talking about that could be a sleeper game where, where mm-hmm. UofL gets yeah. upset because it's a neutral side and all this stuff. If we show from start to finish that we are just heads and tails complete, better than them, complete game. that has to yeah. instill confidence in the team early on. Sure. And, and that's why I was asking, I don't know who Florida State plays their first sure. three so, games. But so, first game of the season, um, they're opening up in one of those headlining games. They host Boise State. Um. Then that they might come. Be fun, actually. Yeah. Then then Lu- Lu- uh, wow. Louisiana Monroe comes yeah. there. So just give me a game. Yeah. Then they travel to Virginia before coming back home against Louisville. So. All right. So that's interesting. And that's I, and I believe Louisville comes off a bye bye week before Florida State. Is that correct? Or do they go to the bye week before Boston College? Before Boston okay. College. So we could both be two and one going into this game. No, I mean I think Louisville should absolutely be two and one. If absolutely. they're one and two, I think we. I don't. I'm not necessarily saying you have a problem, but that's not well, great that you lost. No, to Eastern or Western there's Kentucky. a problem if they're one. Uh, that would be, that'd be yeah. pretty bad. We I, beat the WKU last year. And then- the night barton simmons 247 sports director of scouting barton how are you doing man i am great How's it going, young great well we appreciate you taking some time uh to talk with us tonight and the reason we want to bring you on is that the last week you released a video for 247 sports with your picks for louisville season i think that a lot of fans were pretty intrigued by by what you had to say i don't think many around here have heard five wins which is what you ultimately landed on uh and so we wanted to bring you on tonight to talk about that a little bit before we jump into that and, and your analysis of the schedule, I want to I want to talk about last season first, with with you having a little bit of a toe in the national scene and knowing coaches across the country. What what's been the national perception of Louisville after what happened last season, going two two and ten with Bobby Petrino? Well, um, I mean, it was it was a mess. Uh, I think everyone sort of can acknowledge and, and understand that it was a mess. And I think there's, I mean, there is a kind of a nat- national understanding that, I mean, it, there, that a lot of that had to sort of boil down to coaching. Um, the way that team really quit um, is is indicative of a staff that wasn't really dialed in to keep them focused. And, and I think um, I mean, the, the, the reputation that Bobby Petrino, kind of this negative reputation that he has um, among national media and national fandom, I mean, so often a, a person's sort of ex- exterior um, public persona can be misrepresented. But just talking to everyone that's been around him, it's just, I think that's who he was. 
and he wasn't a fun guy to play for. He wasn't a fun guy to coach with. And by the end of his tenure, I don't think he had a whole lot of takers for being hired on that staff. And um, I think that was part of the that was part of the um, the problem. There was he had lost those star assistants and wasn't able to recoup them. And so there wasn't that balancing act within the building and it sort of pulled the team apart, it seems. And uh, so, you know, I think the national perception um, is one, one pretty last year. And, and uh, I can't imagine the national perception was a whole lot different than the, than the local perception. Yeah, a lot has changed since then, obviously with a new coach, brand new staff uh, and really a new philosophy. In your mind, what's the biggest thing that has, has stood out in this you know, short tenure of Scott Satterfield this summer from either a coaching or a recruiting perspective? Well, I, I think, I mean, the, the, the coaching side of it, it's just such a dramatic difference from Bobby Petrino in terms of just how, how Satterfield believes a program should be run, how the head man should operate, how the staff should, should operate. And so I think there's a real drastic, stark contrast in that sense. Um, certainly, I mean, the recruiting was, I mean, there had been sort of, I think, um, th- there had been stretches of strong recruiting under Bobby Petrino, but it, it, you know, sort of a chicken the egg at the end of it. Uh, yeah, the recruiting was, was a bit of a mess, but how much of that was just them not doing a good job? How much of that was just who's going to recruit well off the season they were having? But there's no question that right now the recruiting is, is, is at a really high level. Um, there, I don't have the their the rankings in front of me, but I know that they've put together, uh, you know, a really strong class. They've got two quarterbacks, I think, are really good players, and T. Webb and Shelby Purdy. Um, and I think, uh, you know, this is a a program that's. I think, I mean, they're recruiting the right kind of guys. I think that's going to be a big part of what Scott Satterfield does is is not compromise, sort of building the culture the right way in terms of the, the talent acquisition. And so, um, you know, it's, it's all going to be very incremental. But I think the, the steps that he's taken early in this process have been really positive in just shifting the, the vibe in that building. Barton, the reason that we uh, really reached out and we wanted to, to have you on is we saw uh, your predictions on your Barton Makes Picks series. We wanted to know, so you picked Louisville to go 5-7. and seven. Had him with a pretty shaky start to start off the season. There's obviously kind of two gimme games to start off the season. But um, to finish the season, you really picked Louisville to, to kind of shock the world and beat, to beat Syracuse, I believe, and then Kentucky. Um, if Louisville's going to get over the hump, maybe even get close to getting in bowl eligible, um, what do you think is going to be the biggest reason this season? Yeah, I think um, – I mean, there's so much – and in, in build in team building that is is more than just sort of um, personnel accumulation and forty times and I mean there, there's a I think there's an important element in team building that that's really about I mean belief and you know belief in each other and camaraderie and um, and just a connective tissue within a program and. I, you know, I, I look. I had a, a little bit of an optimistic take on on Louisville season, in part because 
I looked at, I mean, when you think back to, to preseason last year, I think the win total, preseason win total, you guys might know this. Uh, I mean, it wasn't below seven. It was like seven and a half. It might have been eight yeah, in I, terms of like the, what the Vegas number was set at. I don't remember what the Vegas number was, but I remember several different uh, you know, prominent national writers saying six and seven was kind of the ceiling for them without Lamar Jackson. Saying it was the ceiling, yeah. Because I I know for sure. Okay, so that so people might have been on on it, but there was but the Vegas. I looked it up, and the Vegas number in terms of the what Vegas said that was, you know, maybe it was as low as seven. But my point is, you know, there was a belief, and there, there was certainly some skepticism that without Lamar Jackson, perhaps they, they, there'd be a pretty big drop off. But there was still some some belief that their the roster that was left there the receivers that they had, some of those big-bodied offensive linemen that, that, that you know, they had recruited, um, you know, that there was there was reason that they could keep this thing going. And Puma Pass was a highly regarded recruit in his own right. And and so um, there was some, some, you know, some reason for optimism. And, uh, you know, the what happened last year, to the degree it happened, I don't think anybody saw coming, but the bottom dropped out. And in, and in some ways, from my perspective, like this is this is in some ways like the the best possible scenario for Scott Satterfield. You're taking a program that's just been beaten down, that just has no belief, no positive energy, and and yet has some players. I mean, they've got you know, Makai Beckton is is a really good player. Desperate Patrick is a stud. Tutu Atwell is is maybe one of the best players on my team and no one really knows about. You know, they've got these guys defensively, you know, whether it's Russ East or, or Dorian Etheridge, or I mean, they've got players that are talented. So is is it that – was 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 the title that much of a discrepancy in terms of what we thought they were to 2-10 and 10 or, or – and, and not only 2-10, and 10, but like a 2-10 and 10 that was 1-11 against the Vegas number. So is, is there that much of a discrepancy or was it just everyone quit and everyone – and, and there was just a toxic culture there. My point is, is that Scott Satterfield comes in and his greatest strength, I would argue, is building a strong culture, creating positive energy in a building, building a brotherhood, and getting guys to play hard. Like you watch App State, I mean, there's one thing that was certain is those guys were going to play their tail off. And, and that's not going to happen overnight. So I don't, there's no misconception like it's going to be hard and it's going to take some time and I, and that's why you know other than a win over western kentucky and eastern kentucky early in the season i got i got a bunch of losses um but you know i also think this is the type of team that's capable as things start to click you know and you know they 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 have a they play virginia closer than they're supposed to and they go to miami and they keep it within 10 or something like that and all of a sudden finding some belief and you you know you're getting some momentum and and I just think this is the type of team that can maybe pull some upset late and I, and I'm also doing this as an exercise where I acknowledge like it's unlikely that they go to Kentucky and win or it's even unlikely that they beat Syracuse who's, who's you know got some first place votes in the division but uh, but I think when you're looking for unlikely things to happen and you want to just take a shot and predict some of those things. Uh, I just think the marriage of Scott Satterfield at Louisville, given the void he can fill in that program, is, is one that kind of works. Right, and, and Barton, you just mentioned, you know, 
just like you mentioned in your video, the team really buying in. So you picked uh, you picked them to beat Syracuse and Kentucky late in the season, saying you believe the true you believe the team will truly buy in uh, and start to be really rolling at that point. And, and most fans, uh, you know, that we've kind of spoken with have, have viewed those as probable losses, kind of like what you just said. But, sure. But do you see us uh, or do you see Louisville stealing maybe another road win here or there? I know. I know uh, you kind of wrote the, the Wake Forest and NC State road games off as a loss. Uh, my personal belief is, you know, I think realistically they have a chance to, to maybe take one of those. Uh, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, that's the nature of this stuff is, is um, I mean, Syracuse and Kentucky, uh, those may be, those, those may not even be games. You know, they, they may very well be out of those rooms. I don't know. And, and hey, Maybe it's Clemson and Virginia and NC State that they're able to catch slipping. Or you know, it's it, it's all very much a guess at this point. I think what's interesting in the ACC is there is a lot of parity, um, and there's so much. I mean, there's aside from Clemson, I mean, is there a team in this conference that can't beat another team in the conference? Um, that's just it's, it's it's incapable. I don't. I mean, Georgia Tech maybe is going to have a tough. Uh, an uphill climb in year one. So, you know, maybe take out the bottom of Georgia Tech and, and some people probably would put Louisville in there, but I, I'm arguing they're not. And take out the top of Clemson and throw the other ones in a pot. And, and I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of variables that are going to determine sort of the order of finish from that end. And, and none of them are predictable. And so I could certainly see that. I could see them going and ten again, you know. Maybe it takes some time when Scott Satterfield's first year to just maybe a win is 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 playing some close again. That's not my expectation. Um, I, you know, I, I tend to I tend to think that that uh, good coaches, you know, impact things, and I, and I tend to think Scott Satterfield's a really good coach. But where those wins come is is really, I mean, at this point in the process. Um, this early, you know, before preseason practice has even begun, it's all pretty scattershot. Uh, last season, Jawan Pass was kind of supposed to be one of the next great Louisville quarterbacks um, for a program that's recently produced guys like Teddy Bridgewater and Lamar Jackson, and obviously things didn't go as planned. Um, what in your mind showed up that maybe talent evalu evaluators missed out on? Yeah, I, I you know, I'll say this about Juwan Pettis because um, we had him rated as a four star, and, and um, you know if you if you kind of follow the ratings closely, he he was an early he was he was highly rated really early in the process, and as the process extended, he sort of steadily dropped, and the the, the trajectory in his ranking was heading in the wrong direction. And so I only say that to to say that there were while he was highly rated, there were certainly question marks and there was doubt about or, or there was you know um there, there was an understanding that there were some flaws to, to his game and and it was always going to be a guy that was raw early on and was going to need to sort of grow into the position so i think he got a really you know, that was a rough hand to be dealt last year um with with all encompassing it was just that was a tough situation for a quarterback that is, is finding confidence early in his career playing significantly. So, um, you know, and, and, and I think what's going to be tough 
now is I don't know that I don't know that fixing anything physically is is the challenge as much as just getting him confident again. I mean, I can break a kid to go into a season like that and 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 run point on on the mess that that, that was. Uh, and so I think you know building him back up is going to be the biggest um, you know point of emphasis I would imagine for that staff uh, and 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 if they can do that I think it's all about just looking for stride looking for progression I mean you guys recall Felipe Franks was was for so long considered this bust at Florida um, like almost this running joke and. And all, and all the whole time, I, you know, I, I said it publicly. I was like, "Look, this is—he was always going to be wrong. It was always going to take time." I think we saw last year Felipe Franks things started to click, and now all of a sudden this year, it's not hard to imagine him taking the next step and becoming a really highly regarded NFL draft prospect, given his size and traits and all that. I think Jawan Pass. If it, you know, there is a path for him to take that sort of route. I mean, there, there is a there's a clearing there for him to, to find that sort of path. And this year is not Felipe Franks' 2018 for Juwan Pass. It's probably Felipe Franks' 2017, where he tries to get to sort of a competent level, where he just takes some, some positive steps. And uh, I think he's capable of it, but um, you know what? I mean, that's that, that, that quarterback's a hard position. It's a hard position to play. It's a hard position to judge. It's, hard, it's, it's so much mental to it that uh, you know there's, there's no telling how he's going to adapt and so um, it'll be it'll be really interesting to, to watch and, and, and follow recruiting wise for Louisville we saw that just a, a month and a half ago this this staff had been really working to build relationships and their focus was on getting guys on campus and getting to know them and their families um, and they went from three commitments to 20 in a matter of a month and a half now they, they hold a top 30 class at one point it was a top 25 class and they're in on several several big guys like Christian Fitzpatrick and Marcus Dumerville. What what have you seen in this staff and how they've recruited that kind of stands out? And how good, from what you know of the 20 guys that are committed, can they be specifically talking about the quarterback position in Chubba Purdy and T-Webb? Yeah, I mean, the, I, I think what they've done a really good job of, and this, this staff, um, you know, this is a group of, of coaches that is, I think really personable. Um, I think they they do a good job of making sort of meaningful connections, um, recruiting the right way in that sense where you know, they are, um, you know, they're they're not recruiting off of the star rankings. You know, I know that sounds counterintuitive that I would encourage that, but if it, it, that's the way you should do it, I mean, you should if you're doing it right. Um, you, you know, you don't care. You truly don't care about the star rankings. So I think that um, they've done a good job of that, and, and I think you know, they get guys like um, uh, what is the Harry Bryant Jr., um, the, the kid from Florida, defensive lineman. Um, you know, that undersized defensive lineman that are just bulldogs. You know, those are the type of players they want with at App State, and so I think you're going to need to build that that defense the same way. Uh, so I think they're getting the right guys. They're getting a kid out of Collierville in Tennessee. I think is a stud um, in the same sort of mold, undersized but really active, physical, tough kid. So, um, you know, they're I think they're they know what they want, and they're getting the right kind of guys. And obviously, the the big piece is the quarterback. 
uh, and I think they've gotten two really good ones. Um, the uh, you know the the kid from uh, um, uh, Cartersville. Why am I blanking on the the, uh, yeah, you got the high school? Um, yeah, T. Webb. I mean, he's he is the the type of guy that has you know looks really natural and comfortable in the pocket, accurate. Uh, needs to get stronger, but is is just I think a really composed player. And then Chuba is is I mean he got he's got a ton of upside, big, strong, sturdy kid who's really athletic, true dual threat guy, um, and has been really productive. And that's just I mean, I mean production has got to be sort of the trait number one you look for. And so I'm I'm pretty excited for them in terms of the quarterbacks they brought in. And I think getting that win for the Purdy kid is is a is a huge testament because that was a that was a priority guy for for some programs and he's out of region you know to go and, and win that one um, I think is at, at, at such a critical position I think is huge I don't know if you can answer this um, but I'm going to ask it anyways if you had to pick one between T Webb and Chubba Purdy who do you like better and considering the fit for the offense for for Scott Satterfield I don't know how much App State sure, you've I mean, watched but but who's the guy that you kind of think is likely to take a step forward ahead of the other guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mean we we rank these guys twenty four seven sports, so I've I've uh, I've got to have an opinion on that sort of stuff, and and I I think that Chubba Purdy is the guy that is has the higher ceiling of the two. Um, he's not a guy that I've ever seen throw in person, um, and when you watch him on film, you know, there's a little bit of an awkward delivery that you just sort of wonder about. Uh, so. I, but but in terms of the game, when you look at what he's done at the high school level um, from a product, production standpoint, and when you look at the way he can move the ball with his legs, and when you look at what App State likes to do with their quarterbacks, um, which is have creator run threat with them, um, I think I think he fits that system. And, and he's you know he's got an older brother that's been incredibly successful early in his career at Iowa State. He knows what it takes be successful in major college football. I just think there is a, a lot to like about Chubb Purdy. Um, I mean, he's one of the more intriguing quarterbacks on a national level that's uh, that, that's out there in this 2020 class. All right, we've got one more question for you, and we'll get you out of here. I spent about an hour today watching the Facebook show that you did with uh, with your colleague Trey Scott and the interviews with, with Jason Brown and KD from Last Chance U, which, by the way, was fantastic. I, I will consume anything last chance you right now at this point. Uh, I'm with you, man. It's, it's, yeah, it, it, it hooks us. And, and I think you said it, that it's one of your favorite shows for me. It's Hard Knocks 1 and Last Chance You 1A. I mean, the two shows are incredible. Uh, you get to, you got to talk to one of the most polarizing uh, sports individuals right now with this dead period of summer kind of taking place in Jason Brown. We know that things have, you know, quickly fallen apart for that program after going you know what was it I think two and eight and then you know he's forced to resign because of some comments that he made um and then you know in the last couple of weeks the news has come out about the eight felony charges for impersonating a lawyer what about him in that interview stood out most to you which I know you guys I think you said you cut it down to about seven minutes from 20 minutes and and do you feel like he warrants the bad rep that he gets I mean look I'm not a football player I am not uh from the kind of home of that the players that he coaches are from and the things that they've seen um, but what he does seems, you know, a a bit too much sometimes. I'll say I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it polite. Yeah. What do you What are your yeah. thoughts on that? 
Yeah, it's, I think he's a really hard. I think he's a really hard coach to to judge. Um, I mean, look, it's the the operation looks like a total mess to me. It, it is. It is not something. He is not a coach whose motivational tactics, and I put that in quotes, would ever work for me. I mean, he he doesn't strike me as a good coach. He doesn't strike me as an organized coach. He doesn't strike me as a motivational coach. There's nothing about him that is appealing to me as someone that played high school and college football and, and, and you know, felt like I feel like I know what a good coach looks like. That said, I come from a – kind of to your point, I come from a very different place than those guys that he's coaching. And I – and I kind of, you know, part of me feels like I owe it to, not even to him, but to the players to, to sort of at least acknowledge what they think about him. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of those guys will go to bat for him and they may not pound the table for him and they're not like, you know, go to the mattresses for him, but they're, but they're going to, a lot of those guys, are you know respect his approach and feel like it works for him and so i kind of i i always temper my criticism a little bit because i do feel like it's it, it's only fair to to acknowledge that, that his situation at that program is very different and very unique to the the standard high school or college football coach and so um you know, I, I do I do straddle it a little bit, but uh, I can I can speak for myself. That stuff wouldn't fly with me. I'd be uh, I, I would have never signed there to begin with, but certainly wouldn't be wouldn't be on board to stick around. I don't think so. Um, but it's hey, it's uh, I think it's good television to a degree. But I'm, I'm I think I'm 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 hopeful there'll be a fifth season, and and uh, I'll be I think it'll be a little breath breath of uh, fresh air to have it uh, somewhere else. All right, I said I said that was the last question, but I've got one more. More likely to get a job next, Bobby Petrino or Jason Brown? <laughs> well, Bobby Petrino can just settle into one of these, uh, you know, analyst jobs where he's sitting in the in the shadows somewhere uh, in, in college or the NFL and just sort of living off his buyout money. Um, you know, I uh, those these head coaches these good days they they, can, they always got somewhere they can get up. So if if our Browns can get us out. You don't get a job somewhere. So uh, Jason Brown's got some legal stuff he's got to work through first. So uh, on that bet, I'll probably go by the All right, man. Barton, thank you so much for your time. Guys, you can find him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can also find his work on 247 Sports. Thank you so much for coming on and talking Louisville football with us, man. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me on. We bring in our next guest now. We've got a Louisville legend on the line, former Louisville running back Sonoris Perry. Sonoris, man, how are you doing? I'm great. How about you? We're, we're doing well, man. Thank you so much for taking uh, the time out of your night. I know you're getting ready to start training camp tomorrow. Is that correct? Yeah, we start up tomorrow sometime, uh, tomorrow sometime around noon. Yeah, well, I couldn't think of a better way to start the night before training camp than, than sit down and talk to your favorite podcast. 
man, it's it's been five years now you've since you've left Louisville and been in the NFL. You've spent the last couple of seasons with Miami playing for the Dolphins and signed a new deal this year with the Buffalo Bills. What was your favorite part of playing in Miami, and, and what are you um, you know looking forward to in Buffalo? My favorite part about playing in Miami is just a, a whole a lot of people that I met uh, met while I was there as well, and I I up my game a whole lot and further my career. And then what I'm looking forward in Buffalo is to be a great team player per usual, but also to win the championship. You know, I mean, if you get an opportunity to win a championship and in, in any field you're in, it's, it's a great accomplishment. Absolutely, man. And so transitioning into that, um, so you start you're starting out the season. Um, with number 32, which is an interesting tidbit, uh, just because when you're going to Buffalo, the last guy to wear number 32, pretty famous dude, in O.J. Simpson. Um, was there any trip trepidation asking an or organization for that number, uh, considering the details surrounding it? Um, and what was the response like from the, from the fans and uh, everybody uh, everybody around the situation? Um, and and you know what what is what does that number kind of mean to you? I guess. I mean, the number mean a lot to me because I've been wearing it my whole life, so it didn't. It, it really wasn't a. It wasn't really hard for me to choose that number, but I know I knew <laughs> everything that came with that with that number. So I just went ahead and went with the flow because I I have my own destiny to create, and I I can further that number by uh plan by working hard and showing my family as well as the fans that I can I can. I can do a be better job at this number. Well, not a better job. Let's say it like that because it's right. OJ Simpson. Right. I like right. the I like the I'm confidence though, man. Dude, absolutely. We like the confidence. I mean, you're talking about one of the greatest running backs of all time, and to walk in there and say, "Hey, man, this is this is a number I want to wear. I don't care what comes with it. It's pretty bold." I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a number that I always want my whole life. So I'm not like I said. I'm not threatened by anything and. Uh, it, it, it's just a number to 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 me. Well, not just to me, but it means a lot to me. But it's just a number for other people. I mean, the fans and uh, a lot of people have mixed emotions about it. But if I got the opportunity to wear that number in Miami, I would have wore it. But I was actually my guy Kenyon Drake had it, so I I didn't have the opportunity. I was gonna say I don't, I don't know if you'll answer this, but did you did you ask if you could pay him or give him some type of reward for that number? I saw today that he was reluctant to give that number up to you, and you see all the time in the NFL guys saying, "Hey, let me get that number. I'll give you 10k. I'll give you 20k. Yeah, I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll do some yard work for you." Like, did you ask him or, or say, "Hey, I'll give you this in exchange for that number"? With Kenyon, no. I mean, me and him built a great relationship, and I already knew that he he already established the number once I came in because I came in a little later in the season. I thought he would switch it <laughs> after that year, but he had such a great rookie year. But I just continued with number 34 and try to create a legacy in that number in Miami. Absolutely, man. So transitioning just a little bit, you know, we're here to talk a little bit about Louisville football. Um, you played for Coach Strong kind of came in in a time where it was um, an interesting transition um, going from the Cragthorpe era to the Charlie Strong era in Louisville. Um, you're one of many players, many, many players during his era that got into the NFL. Uh, what do you think what it was about the, during the Charlie Strong era um, that kind of led to so many of you guys reaching the NFL and having success and having su sustained success in the NFL? Uh, the culture change. I mean, we, we all once we got there, we was all underrated. It was a few of us that 
that we were hungry. We wanted to prove a lot of people wrong. And with, with that being said, we had Coach Strong on our side, and he saw a bunch of hungry guys that wanted to try to accomplish something greater than what, what we even accomplished, actually, by going to the Sugar Bowl and going 12-1, and unfortunately, my senior year, due to that one loss against UCF. But we, it was a bunch of hungry guys, and we end up with some of us still playing, some of us still staying in contact, and some of us still trying to inspire others by doing great in, our, in their uh, respectable field. But it was just a hunger that, that we brought and came in, and everybody felt underrated because it was just like, oh, Charlie Strong, he's going up to Louisville. It's just a stepping stone, such and such. And we we know if we would have like, continue to win, we would, like, build off of that. And it, it's, it's what thrived us. You talk about some of your teammates. Is there any guys – I know you've played with Devontae Parker the last few years in Miami, but do you keep in touch with some of the guys that you played with at Louisville? Uh, man, I keep in touch with pretty much all of them, actually. A lot, especially out of my, a lot of my classmates that I came in with in the uh, 2010 class, actually. And uh, I stay in contact with Preston Brown pretty much often. I mean, he after this interview, if you when you guys post it on Twitter, I'm pretty sure he's going to say a few things to me. Is that bad or is that good? I'm I'm a little worried now. Uh, well, Preston, who knows? <laughs> Speaking of Preston, so he played in Buffalo, and you know, and so did Eric Wood and Keith Tobridge, a couple of Louisville guys. Have they given you any kind of advice for what you're walking into? Because you know, if there's one thing about Buffalo, it's that their fans are wild. I mean, yeah, they they have one of the craziest fans in the NFL. With Preston, he I communicated with him a lot, and I actually came up here and visited him one time beforehand. Told me really just get ready for the cold weather. It's like because we've handled pretty much everything throughout our career. Just get ready for the cold weather, though. That's it's a total stepping stone from being in Miami. You've spent a lot of time in the last few years in Miami playing special teams primarily. Is there any you know has there been any talks or have you been kind of working on getting into the backfield and kind of breaking into that rotation as a running back? I mean, I take one day at a time. I don't try to think too much about it. I mean, I've been behind some great running backs in my career with. So, but I, I know I can learn through all of that with my career, with my chance. Finally, I mean, when my opportunity comes, I know what I can provide for a team and whatever I do, with, whether that's special teams or running a ball. I mean, of course I can run the ball. I've, I've still been going on six years in the, in the league. So you have to run the ball and actually make plays. So I make some type of plays when I get a chance to. We talked with your former teammate Keith Kelsey last week and, and spent a lot of time specifically talking about Teddy Bridgewater, a guy that you know very well. You spent a lot of time with him, probably more so than Keith, seeing as how Keith was only there, I think, one or two years with him. Do you have a, a memory or a story or something of Teddy that kind of stands out to you as like, a, you know, whether it's something he did on the field, you know, we've got, we know he's got a, a quite a bit of sense of humor, something that he did that just kind of you still sticks with you to this day. I mean, it's still still with me to say because Teddy's a caring person. So, like, well, if you reach out to him with anything you need or if you need help with anything, you can reach out to him and after that. And he always been that way even when he got into college. And he was young. He was actually younger than me. He came in a year later. But even though we came out the same time, we always communicated. And we are, like, I live in Miami now. So when we do get the opportunity, we still work out together at times. What's your favorite? The, looking back on your your three years at Louisville, what is your your favorite memory? Your favorite story? Something in those three years that you still kind of hold on to, whether it was a big win or a, a loss or some kind of teammate event. What is it that you kind of hang your hat on? 
man, I have a few of them, actually. I mean, of course, I got my own accomplishment when I um, scored four times against Pittsburgh and surprised myself because I was sick all week. And then the, the final game of my career when it came to Miami, and I actually wanted to go there but never got the offer, and I scored against them, and we beat we beat the living dog out of them. And it was, that's one of my great memories right there. That's a good way to send it out, man. So – um, have you been actually kind of following along with, with Louisville as far as um, just how the team's success with Lamar Jackson era and, and um, going forward um, since you've left? How, how much have you watched Louisville? I've been watching Louisville ever since I left college, actually. I mean, it's not a day go by that I don't miss it. But um, I, keep up, I keep up with pretty much all of the eras of Louisville since I've been gone. And I'm pretty happy about what's going on right now, actually, because um, one of the guys uh, I played high school ball with, he's actually a, a assistant there now. So, uh, of course, I'm going to keep up with him even more, just watching watching them prosper with uh, the new head coach, Coach Satterfield. Who was it that you that you went to high school with? I didn't go to high school. Oh, I played against him. Played against I played against him at high school, but we're pretty close. And uh, Big E, Big E, Eric McDaniel. Okay, I don't. I'm not sure. I know who that is. Do you guys know who that is? I don't. I don't. I know. I feel bad for me. I'm sorry. That. Yeah. Well, Sonoris, man, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you in training camp, man. We'll be watching you in the preseason and, and when you take the field in the regular season. Best of luck to you, man, and enjoy Buffalo. Man, thank you all for the opportunity. Of course, I'm gonna continue to keep up with you guys on Twitter and the up to dates with the Cardinals or whatnot. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. man. All right, so he made it official. Big Red Louie is the official site of the Sonoris Perry uh, phone and computer. Mark it down. Sonoris, thank you, man. I appreciate it. For sure. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, man. Have a good night. Dorian Etheridge made a really, really interesting point, something that I have not seen anybody write about on our site. We have not you know, talked about it. We've not covered it. But Dorian Etheridge said he believes that Louisville could be the most improved team in college football in 2019. Easy. Not just that he thinks that they could be the most improved team, but he think, he thinks it could happen easily. And but he what he said was it's not in terms of wins and losses. It's in terms of performance on the field, um, the way that they buy in, and the way that they kind of carry themselves. And I could not agree more. I I think that that could be a bold prediction. Is at the end of the season, people are talking about you know when they start to do those you know way too early rankings for 2021 or 2020, yeah. and they're looking at teams that could be sleepers like. I could totally see Louisville, whether it's because they performed, you know, really well at the, the middle of the schedule or at the end of the schedule, or they, you know, kind of they kind of snuck up on somebody and almost won a game. Like I could totally see it because they were so bad last year. Mm-hmm. They have to be just. They've got to be twice as good this year, just as soon as they step onto the field without even playing anybody. Twice it, as good as literally winning four games, by the way. <laughs> like, I'm not even talking like, about. Winning, I know he like, said it's. And, I know he said it's not about wins well, and losses, but I'm like, you win four well, games, you doubled your win total. And, and also year. not getting beat by 40 points. Right, like, and that's that's the story of this year. The story of this year right. is more so how competitive the team is versus yeah. wins and losses. I think. A lot can be said of, and I think we said this before too, losing to Boston College and Syracuse by 10 to, 10 to 16, 17 points is completely different than last year. You know, not getting just boat raced by freaking Wake Forest and Georgia Tech. Right. Like, well, there's, I'm, yeah, there's a huge teams, difference between losing and then getting embarrassed. Right. And right. teams yeah. that ha- should have no business being in a game with them. Wake Forest, with the talent that Louisville has on the roster, 
Wake Forest shouldn't have any business being in a game with Louisville. And yet Wake Forest has absolutely destroyed Louisville the last right. two years. Well, and you still got, you know, you still got media people left and right picking obviously it's gonna be at Wake Forest, but you know, we've talked numerous times. I mean, we keep going through the roster and they lose so many different pieces to that team. I just don't right. see like how people can just overlook it so quickly as a, as another Louisville loss. And I'm like, hold on, because exactly. yeah. I, I know it's an away game, but like it, it if you lose your quarterback and your other key pieces, especially on offense and defense, I mean, that's, that's, that's big I mean, to me. I think that's going to be a, a huge factor. So why, why is that not talked about more as a potential? Upset? Absolutely. Yeah. Alex, that's what you, you and me were talking about that before we started recording you. I mean, look, look at Wake Forest roster and our roster. You're telling me that Wake Forest is more talented than us. No, no, and I, I think they're basing it off the continuity, last, having yeah. a, co- a coach in their yeah, fourth with, year, which is yeah, fine. Right. But and then and with NC State, they they lost how many linemen? Uh, uh, they, half, if not more. They, they lost they quarterback lost Ryan Finley. Finley. Yeah. They lost receivers. But they, again, and Ledford, Ledford's on our side now, right? And, I mean, but that's, they're that's and it. their offensive coordinator is the head coach at App State. But the thing is, is the reason why people like like Barton and others who are predicting the schedule are being very, very cautious of what they do is even if Louisville is the more experienced team, even if Louisville is technically on paper, they look like they stack up better. They are building a culture from scratch yeah, out of something that true. was so toxic, whereas a team like NC State, they have that culture established. A team like Wake Forest has that established. They're right. building on continuity. Louisville doesn't have that going for them. So we don't know. If Louisville comes out and they absolutely get smacked by Florida State, we have no idea how they're going to turn around and face Boston College. Like We just don't know, but we know that Boston College, if they get beat by Virginia, they're going to turn around and they're going to give Georgia Tech their best the next week because that's their culture. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many unknowns in that in that that facet of, of the football, you know, of the program because of a new staff and a new way of doing things. Well, and I think that's a great point because media people aren't going to make a prediction on if they, they don't know what they don't know, right? And I think you know, Barton kind of made a point about that is, you yeah. know, even some of those 50-50 games, I'd like to pick Louisville, but we don't know what's going to happen with them. We don't know the kind of team. Mm-hmm. I think to your point, yeah, that might be a negative in terms of uh, in, in terms of established cultures on other teams. But I think the other thing you're not maybe thinking of is how quick this team can attach themselves to Satterfield's culture because there hasn't exactly. been a culture at Louisville, obviously. So these mm-hmm. kids are craving – Stability. They're craving positivity. They're craving, you know, fi- the family environment. Like hearing these kids say, like, "Oh, I've never been over to Coach's house. This is really cool. I got invited to dinner. This is really neat." Mm-hmm. Like all these personal things. I think they, like the coaches right now, understand all these little tiny engagements that they're doing off the field, off practice, even off, you know, university campus. Yeah, like all these things make a difference. Yeah, it may seem kind of small or even gimmicky, but it really does make yeah, a huge exactly. difference. It's, it's gimmicky, but they, they've never experienced it before. Exactly, exactly. And, and one of the comments that stuck out to me from Media Day was when Satterfield was talking about Juwan Pass, and he said he was about as down as any player I've ever been around. And that's just kind of a microcosm of of that team. I mean, they were losing a lot, and their coach they didn't believe in their coaches. And they were, right. I mean, it was just a terrible atmosphere to be around. And it, it it takes a lot to be able to turn around whole new staff to trust in and, and buy into right and and basically lose that last year's mindset which was right and, and that, that's gonna be the biggest challenge for this team 
when it gets tough, because it will next season. No doubt, it's going to get tough in week one. Yeah, like they're going to yeah. play a top five team the yeah. day yeah. the season starts. So you're going to find out real quick. I, I thought it was really interesting how how Barton talked about Jawan and he talked about comparing him to Felipe Franks with it, it, which. I mean, we're not a we're not a Florida fan base, clearly, but I think anybody who watches football knows that he has really struggled since being a five star recruit. Right. And he talked about how Jawan's year this year is going to be very similar to what Felipe was last year, where he just looked like he was a competent quarterback after not looking like that previously. And and I think that that Scott Satterfield made it very clear, like Jawan has gotten much better, and he can play in this system, even though. On paper, and when you look at it, he just doesn't fit what they've done. And I think it's going to be a really big challenge. And I think this is where you can really kind of, there's not going to be a lot that you can criticize Scott Satterfield for in year one, just because of where he kind of takes over and what's going on. Right. But what I think is, is if Juwan struggles, you can say, like, what's up? Like, because Juwan has natural football abilities. And these coaches, particularly Scott Satterfield and Frank Ponce, are quarterback gurus. Yep. And if Jawan struggles in this offense that uh, you know they're kind of building around him, or they, they kind of need to if he's the starter, I think that there's some ability to say, hey, man, like, or, not question him, but say there there needs to be a level of blame on your shoulders for Jawan not taking proper steps, no matter what happened last year. Right, and I don't even think it's a scheme thing, like fit or anything like that. I think you've just heard time to like. Bobby and in that staff just destroyed his his confidence, and that's all mental. So like every coach has basically said, like Jawan's yeah. failure or success is going to be dependent upon between the ears. Yeah, you yeah. know, like that that's the whole thing. It, it's all a mental game at this point because even if he's not the best fit for Satterfield's scheme, he definitely has the ability to mm-hmm. make it work if he wants it to work. Like if he has that confidence. Yeah, that kind of what you just said kind of reminded me of uh, one of Seth Dawkins' comments when he was saying. The receivers didn't even know what quarterback was going to be coming out next series. Like the I quarterbacks mean, didn't know. The co- quarterbacks like, didn't, didn't know what quarterback know. was coming I mean, out. If next he's series. getting pulled or not, I mean, yeah, it, it, that, that's horrible. Jaquay Savage online. I mean, I, I know it's Twitter and that it's you know kind of silly, but he talked about like Jawan couldn't step onto the field without being afraid of like being pulled out and pissing his pants. Like I mean, like yeah. I, that just you can't is, play like that. And that's what Bobby did. I mean, you you see so many instances as a head coach where he pulled a guy. I mean, think about Dominique Brown. Think about Colin Wilson. Like, mm-hmm. and I said this earlier, he just picked on people. Like yeah. that yeah. he's so little as a man and as a human being, he belittled people. And that's what he did with Juwan. How are you supposed to succeed when you know that if you take the wrong step, if you make the wrong the wrong read on a first and ten, shit, I might be coming out of the game. like that, And that's what they operated in last year, and that won't be the case this year. Well, and I, I think the most anger I felt for on-the-field stuff that happened last year was like exactly what we're talking about when Juwan – you know, they asked him, did a coach tell you you were you were going to come out that series or whatever? Yeah. He goes, no. I just watched Malik yeah, Cunningham run on the field. No one even so told bad. him. And, and I think, if, like, if, if how, I'm not mistaken, his dad said the last game of the year that he was suspended and nobody told him. Like, how are you that unorganized? And to your point, how are you that little of, a, of an adult getting paid that much money uh, to do what you're supposed to do and you can't even tell a kid, hey, you're not going in next it, series? And even – I remember – points at sitting in Cardinal Stadium last year when you have common fans like I, I remember just hearing around me like come on Bobby don't pull that kid just, le- just 
keep him out, you're going to destroy this kid's confidence. And, yeah. and then you could hear the boos and, and just the – I mean, the Indiana State just, game, he should have never been pulled. Like, you, you're going to win that football game just because you're so much better of a football team and you have guys who are twice as big and twice as talented. Like, I think that's when Juwan was broken right there. Like, you pull me out because we're, we're losing to Indiana State when our panicked. defense can't stop anybody? Yeah, yeah right. He exactly – and he did panic, it from the year on. Pull them out. Let's transition a little bit and talk about basketball, which I know has kind of taken a back burner uh, the last few weeks with football and media day. And there's just really not been a whole lot of news like there was last year when there was a lot of intrigue around Chris Mack. But one of the things I want to talk about was uh, John Rothstein, who writes um, – I forget where he writes. CBS. Yeah, maybe it's CBS. Maybe, I'm not exactly sure, but he's he, he's kind of the goat, one of the go-to writers for college basketball. This is March. Oh, how? I literally was, I wasn't even looking at you and you almost just made me pee my pants. But <laughs> this week he he gets into these like these tangents where he just starts tweeting about conferences and teams and players and this week he picked Louisville to finish first in the ACC picks picks Jordan Moore to be the ACC player of the year and it's refreshing. Like yeah. I don't remember the last time Louisville had a player Pick to win a conference player of the year. I mean, I, I can't think of maybe Russ. Russ Smith and the American. Yeah, no, we haven't gotten Presley, do you have any tissues? Because my ears. You need to. <laughs> I think we need to put you in timeout all for a three, minute. All three of you guys. Your all's reaction. We are officially down to zero listeners because yeah. you just blew somebody's headphones. The last guy I listened. Uh, Preston, 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 hearing Preston, aid Preston Brown broke. was probably our last listener. He just went, "All right, I'm done." Yeah, I'm out. I don't know. No thoughts on Jordan Moore. It's cool. I think it, that might be it. <laughs> I don't know what else there is to say about that. Is but it um, pretty too, cool? Is it too cool? Is is it too like as a Louisville fan with all the crap happening? Every time we get happy, something bad happens, right? Yeah. So we're seeing all the. We've already talked about like, you know, trying to mitigate the hype and top five team. That is and the all third stuff time you've said mitigate, and I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. Good well, word. you're the one that threw out the big word. With trepidation. Yeah. No, Presley said it, but I, I wrote I, it. I can't. I can't do that. You know, I spelled it wrong though. Thank, thankfully, Google Docs corrected me. I Thankfully, in, I just know I just know how to just. I make. put intrepidation, mm-hmm. but it's trepidation. A long time ago, before Wara made his decision, we talked about if he comes back, will he have you know in terms of focused for the season, will he have one foot out the door, staring at the NBA, right, and just focus on the the things he need to work on, and and just his stuff, and that's a fine argument. And now that he's back, it's totally changed. But my thing is, it's too much. It's too much hype, especially around, you know, war. Is that gonna affect his game? Is that gonna affect the team? Like we're. I, I sure hope not, because Chris Mack is. Well, Chris he, Mack's one. He's he an unbelievable. Game. No, but yeah, he's an unbelievable he motivator, and him being able to say, he yeah, he said you're ACC Player of the Year, but I know you can't guard anybody. Like that's the yeah. type of stuff, Chris. Mm-hmm. That's true. And and it's not in the same sense of like you suck like Bobby Petrino, but it's in the sense of like prove me wrong. Yeah. Like well, I said, you can't guard anybody. Go out there and guard Dwayne Sutton. Like show us that you can handle that. But at the same time, that kind of backfired at the end of last season because like he was still yeah. trying the you know like I'll challenge you, and they kind of didn't take kind like yeah, the back true. end like the last few games of that season <laughs> were like even at the Yum Center were hard to watch. I'm like what we looked disorganized, we were sloppy, we. We weren't making shots or the passes that we were early right. on in the season. It almost looked like we kind of regressed a little bit before the mm. before no doubt. Madness. The Duke game broke him. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's so crushing for anybody. But the thing is, I, I we've been talking about how Chris Mack might 
not change his style of coaching, but in, intensify his style of coaching. Because I think last year he, he pointed out that, you know, he couldn't be as fully hardcore as he wanted to be because that was a fragile group. It, it very much was. And we saw the video where he called the players the P word. I don't know what how that went over in the locker room, but my guess was that probably did not sit well with them. What, paintball? Yes, he called paintball. them he called them paintballs. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we'll, we'll call them that. Um but here here's my thing. Like I I think for Jordan, he literally if he goes out and he has the same season as he did last year. Now, I, I, you have to be a little bit more efficient in what you do and you got to look a little bit better on defense, but like Louisville's going to win a lot of basketball games this year because their team is just so much better talent-wise. Yeah. Jordan is like at this point a lock for ACC player of the year because you know he's going to guarantee he's going to score at least 16 to 17 points a game and I don't know if I can name I don't know if, I mean I wrote the piece earlier this month yeah. on I don't I don't see five other players who can compete with him like it's, and it's with Jordan the hype around Louisville as well right they're a top 10 program like it's Jordan Wara it's Chris Likes it's Cole Anthony it's um uh, uh, uh I forget I'm forgetting the guy's Presley name from Duke. Meyer. Yeah, the guy's name from Duke. Um, he came back. Uh, for no, Trey Jones, but Trey. there's another. There's a big guy. Okay. Uh, but anyways, point being, like this, this, this is the worst ACC we've seen since Louisville's been in. Mm-hmm. Like, it's point hands being, down. To get noticed, you have to be on good teams. Unless you're John Morant, like you have to be on a really good team and a really good conference to mm-hmm. consistently get promoted and have yeah. and have the TV time. Which to to Ethan's point, we definitely have that this year. Yeah, we do, and and here I can see it now. As we get closer to basketball season, this is going to be a topic. People are going to see Louisville at two, three, four, five, and all the and all the preseason polls, and people are going to be, well. Hold on, Louisville lost in the first round last year. They were all right, like they were pretty good. People are going to be saying, "Is this team overhyped? Is this a healthy amount of hype?" And so, what are you guys? Yeah, thinking? well, uh, you asked the 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 question is this the year or is this the year before the yeah, year? Yeah, I think it's. A good uh, way I think to put that it. this. I personally think this is the year you have to win because you're going to have development going on between a 2020 class and a 2019 class that might take another year. But mm-hmm. this is the most talented Louisville team that we have had since 2014. I mean, no, I, I, I yeah, 2009. Yeah, skip I'd over say. that because that mm-hmm. 2013 we. Even no, I go back to the year where they lost to Michigan in the first round and the second round. That's the God, most talented yeah. Louisville oh team we've so had since the championship. Like, you had seven guys on that team playing in the NBA, and the year before with Damian Lee and Trey Lewis. Like, these, this is the most talented team that Louisville has had since then, and I think that they have to win it all this year, or else it's going to be a couple more years to kind of rebuild. You're going to well, lose a lot this year. You're going to get you're going to get a lot back, but you're going to lose a guy like Dwayne Sutton. You're going to lose Jordan War. You're going to lose Stephen Enoch. There's too much to lose to come back and then say next year we can win it, even if Sam is, you know, a top when, ten player. And you're just looking at the Louisville roster. I'm thinking of a, you know, as crazy as it sounds in general, if we just take a step back, like year two for Mac, he has to win this year. But in in terms of the roster change, yeah, I, I get that. But also, this is a down year the, the ACC for the ACC. Is so this is our down. year to capitalize. So sure. in, in terms of having to win this year, you you don't do what you're supposed to do this year. You let a whole season of the really, really good teams catch back up and well, get that talent that they're probably used to stocking up on. So Not only is the ACC a little down, so is the rest of college basketball. There's no super teams coming into this season, really. I mean, Michigan State brings back a lot. Yeah, and I'd say Memphis and, is up there in terms of being – because they have nine yeah, that's, freshmen. I that's mean, fair. Like, but, I mean, they're going to be super young, and they – Penny Hardaway, this is literally his second year being a head coach at any level. So we nobody nobody knows how that's gonna go. Can Kentucky? I mean, they're gonna bad, be it's gonna be swagged out. They're gonna they're gonna be about it. They're gonna be as good as they usually are, but I don't think they're coming in. 
Yeah, it's not like this it's class is more special yeah. than the other ones yeah, they've hyped up before. So this yeah. is a pre- I mean, college basketball is going to be pretty open this year. Virginia is not going to be as good as they were last year. And Duke obviously is not as good as they were last year. They well, don't have three freaking yeah. And Michigan State is being talked about as the number one team, and they lose their their premier big man in Nick Ward. I mean, they get a lot back. Don't get me wrong, but that shows the status of college basketball and how much parity there is because your best team in the country is losing arguably their second best player. So, you know, when I say that this year there's a lot, of, you know, obviously there's a lot of expectations, but I think that in terms of what you can capitalize on with a down ACC, a, a down um, national landscape. I, I think that this is the year where if you're going to win at all, you, you can. And it's just crazy to think about year two when two years ago we're like, man, are we even going to have a basketball program? Like, I mean, yeah. I know that sounds crazy now, but that, that's how far we've come in two years. I also think it depends on we keep talking about if Mac can sustain the high level of recruiting. I think obviously that'll play in it because we don't know how the 2020 or yeah, we don't know how the 2020 class is going to shake out yet. So yeah. when you're saying we have to win now, well, that's also because like we don't know, you know, who's coming in sure. for that team transition yeah. of talent. Yeah. So I think if we can continually, you know, expectation wise, like not top ten every year in recruiting. Although I I do think Mac has the capability to do that, uh, especially mm. if we can maintain this high level no, of success. I think you, but I think you absolutely need to say top ten in recruiting. Well, I was gonna say I mean, like, top fifteen. People I, say Patino couldn't recruit. I mean, so I'd say that's a, I'd say that's the expectation, at least a minimum. Right, but I'm saying you you continue to bring in these high level, especially the the pieces that work for your system, not just the best kid on mm-hmm. paper that you can pull in, but like the kid that actually you know fits your mold of what you want out of a player for me i think the the interesting thing about this team is that if you look at where college basketball is going i i think it's going the way of the virginias the villanovas the texas techs yeah. where you have some like a couple very very talented nba guys but mostly it's a, it's a good core of experienced guys right. mixed in with a with a couple really good college stars. guys. So yeah, it's not it's not five one and done freshmen right. anymore. That, no, that was, and that's never been the mold to win a championship. I mean, yeah. I don't think that there's been a team that's won a championship right. outside of maybe the Duke team with Joel Okafor and um, and Justice Winslow and Jab- I think Jabari Parker was on that team as well. That mm. that team that that had a lot of freshmen, but they also had experience. They had Grayson Allen. They had mm-hmm. um, Tyus Jones, I, th- I think Tyus Jones was a freshman on that team. Point being, you don't win championships with five freshmen. Right, you're going to win a championship with experienced players. And well, that's, that's why I don't think Memphis like as much. No, talent, they're not going to win they a championship. Have a, they are no. loaded on talent, but all young, no, no experience. I, I like, think experience. that because even experience. even just said like even the coach doesn't have experience. Like, like, sure, like, yeah, if you're exactly. In a, if you're in a close March Madness Elite Eight game, and you have nine freshmen that are literally freaking out on the timeout because they're shook. They've never sure. been in that situation before. The coach has never been in that situation before. Exactly. And you have to get a game plan together in 30 seconds and inbound a ball, make a pass, do a play, whatever you need to do 100%. to score the last like two or three points. I think that's when you've seen, even with like the UK teams that have been hyped up and these other teams that have been hyped up with, with freshman talent, there is a whole thing of experience that these kids, like as much talent as you can have on paper, sometimes it just doesn't matter yeah. in the moment. You're exactly right, and when I look at the 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 way things are kind of shaking out preseason, and I say preseason in parentheses because we have no idea what it's going to look like. When I look at who could be kind of the four teams that are left at the end, I mean, I I, I hate to say it, but I think Kentucky's got their most 
top to bottom, uh, not talented roster, but experience. And I think that that's going to help them. I look at a team like Florida who adds Kerry Blackshear to several incoming freshmen. They bring back a lot of talent. Michigan State brings back a lot of talent. Texas Tech is going to be relevant again. Those are the teams that, that are going to be at the top. And if I'm being honest, I'm not scared of one of them. Like I think that our team is better than every single one of those teams because we do it, uh, the Louisville program, not we, I'm not involved in any of it, but they do it from the point guard position. They, they've they got that locked in. They've got shooters. They've got defenders. They've got rebounders. They've got experience. They've got young players. They've got, I mean, they've right. got coaching. They, check, they, have they check every, all the boxes. They literally check every single box. Yeah. And, and that's why I think that we are going to continue to see this preseason love and it shouldn't be surprising at this point. Like Louisville exactly. might have the most talented roster top to bottom in college basketball. And something and something to note, this is something that, that Louisville has really not had at all, which is a young superstar freshman in Sam Williamson, which he could be. I'm not trying to put too much on him, sure. but he is a legitimate top 20 guy. Louisville do, just hasn't landed those types yeah. of guys. With their yeah, team. I mean, they, they had Malik Williams a few years ago, but he's not a guy like Sam who's going to have the ball in his hands and have the ability to be able to make plays like that. I mean, I think when you look at it, freshmen, it, it's been since Donovan Mitchell maybe. I mean, I don't yeah. – I, I uh, that's a tough thing to kind of pull up off the top of my head. But I, they're, the point being, they check every box. You hit it right. right on the head. And I think, honestly, the Blackshear move to Florida shook things up more than people realize because like, you obviously have – UK in an SEC championship every year. This could be the year they don't make it two years in a row because you add Blackshear to Florida and all of a sudden UK is sitting up straight saying, oh, okay, like we actually have some some real competition at the top of our conference. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they can't even look on to national aspirations. You got to get out of your, your conference and get a good seat first, mm-hmm. uh, which I think, you know, the Blackshear to Florida thing, yeah, I didn't hate it. No, but, I don't hate it either. Yeah. Presley, I want to hear 15 minutes of you talk since you haven't said a word in about 12. So this is the perfect segue for me. Um, what you guys have been talking about kind of hits the nail on the head because I really wanted to pose the question, is this the year or is it the year before the year? Because um, the way that expectations have been in years past, particularly under Rick Pitino, um, it's been kind of a waiting game. I think we waited a lot longer than we expected for Louisville's first national championship in the Patino era. Um, I think there were a lot of years where we thought it was the year and it wasn't, and then it was three, four more years, like a bunch more classes before they actually got to that point. Um, so to answer your question, I think this is the year, and the reason being, I think it has to be the year. When you look at the roster, seven out of the, the probably 11 guys that are going to be in the main rotation are either juniors seniors or redshirt seniors or graduate transfers. So you have guys who have been playing college basketball for a minimum of four. You have four guys who are going to be heavy in the rotation, a Ragman man, Dwayne Sutton, Stephen Enoch, and Lamar Kimball, who have played basketball for five years. Um, you have Darius Perry, who's a junior. You have Malik Williams, who's a junior. You have Jordan Warrior, who's a junior. And you're going to have seven of these guys are going to be gone um, after this year. Or, you know, six of these guys, excuse me, I'm, I'm counting Keith Otto in here, but um, with that in Don't mind, sleep on Keith. well, I'm not sleeping on Keith. Look, 
That is the Crazier. name of the podcast tonight. Don't sleep on key. <laughs> he just gave me a great idea for uh, for research for an article, though, because I don't know if anybody's done it yet, but have we looked up, like, the collective, like, experience years per team? No, like, I, I think this, would, would, be, this would be... I'd be really interested to see yeah, well, what the like, thing is, is how you, that shakes out. You're exactly right. that it's This is the most interestingly designed team because, one, yeah. there's no freshman class from last year. It's in, This team is almost impossible to achieve. You, you could like, not build the way that this team is set up if you tried, and it's in it, it's in Unfortunate because you missed the tournament two years ago. You went through some real growing pains, but at the same time, now we have what I think we have. What'd you say? Five, five seniors, four seniors, five seniors. You have four or five juniors. Like it, it is really interesting. I'm trying not to get distracted, the dog. But what is going on? Is that a neighbor? Every day, or is that Potter? Yeah. So no, no, no. So our halls. That's our hallways. Is there a noise so machine? Whoever's walking out there, they're listening to our Heath Auto banter, and they just hate it. What kind of dog is it? Do you know? Um, I believe it's Sounds some kind small. of little one. Yeah. Some kind <laughs> of little Which, one. Those are the I'm going to drop up. Here we go. Hot take. Little dog suck. But your dog is awesome. I love. Wow. I love. I right. love my Potter. dog. My dog weighs twenty six pounds. Is that does that qualify as a little yes, dog? That is a okay. little dog. Really? I'm fifteen. No, I'm fifteen. I'm a I'm a seventy five to hundred pound guy. Well, like, I was gonna I say when when I got my dog, he was like fourteen. So we really beefed him up like Alex. <laughs> See, I'd say like you're on the Alex. I'd say like fifteen to forty or like bulk. twenty to forty five pounds would be like a medium sized dog. So I, 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 so I grew up with a Bichon that was the barkiest like. Bitingest, um, just oh sassiest dog, and now any little dog just like makes me. Gra- the, What's the technical? Well, hold on, like Bichon Freeze. Yes, it's a Bichon Freeze. I just hated them from how like snooty those dogs always sounded. There's good boys and girls because every dogs are good boys and girls. That's but true. but the big dogs, the golden doodles, the golden retrievers of the world, like that's the kind of dog that I need. Your dog is a she's a very good girl. She's not very nice, but she's oh, a good girl. I told you, like. All right, so, so but Jake, she but she growled at me while she's like wagging her tail. I, I don't know told what to you do. This with would that. happen. Like I, I gave you an expectation. I said you're gonna be in my house for like all of five minutes. She's gonna growl because she growls at every new person. After if you would have stayed over for literally ten to fifteen, she would have had a new boyfriend. Like that. That's the whole thing. She would have <laughs> never left your side the rest of the time. It's just that first five minutes of. I'm a hundred pound white American bulldog, and I will scare the shit out of you. Yeah, which she did. Five, yeah, which he, he which said, she don't did. be scared. Which I don't get scared. Of dogs. Which is I've easy been, to say in a text before you see my dog, no, and no. then you see my dog, and you're like, all right, never your mind. dog is she is on the Alex diet, the bulk she, diet. She might have had a couple bites of, of yeah, my like steak burritos. Yeah, no doubt. She eats your steak, your burgers. She, Tilly's a princess, and and she is a very good girl. Shout but yeah, out you Tilly. have to. You just have to get through the first five minutes she is a little intimidating which uh, i like it's a it's a screening process for my house let's um let's revisit the twitter poll You're here laughing, but wait till you come over Preston. yeah check it there, check it there's out there's not been many votes uh, votes i'm i'm mm-hmm. i'm a mm-hmm. bit of uh i'm a bit frustrated with twitter tonight because <laughs> twitter will vote on any poll what what color underwear should i wear red or blue and you got 100 votes 52 votes so far in um 54 minutes, so we're averaging less than a vote a minute. That's not great. Regardless of metrics, who's winning? 38% at this point say that Darius, Jalen, and Aiden is the go-to paintball team. I don't understand that. 37%, so we have a very close battle. They haven't listened to the podcast for reasoning. That's two guys that are over 60. No doubt. Once they hear the in-depth context, I think they'll understand and probably change it. 37%, so hold on, let me refresh. Who's in first, second, third, and fourth? I just want to... So second place is Dwayne, um, 
Josh Nickelberry and David Johnson. I personally, right. I think that might be the best team. Like I, that team is uh, fast. They're they're team. small. They can make uh, they can make plays. They're strong. They're aggressive. Fifteen uh, percent says Ryan, Sam, and Jordan. It and just then, went down. Oh, you just got been, even. You got even laster. <laughs> oh, that, I, one more <laughs> vote has been added, and now R- Fresh, Quinn, and Malik now sit with nine percent of the vote. So not liking the uh, grad transfers in the paintball market. Not at all. No, no. Not at all. Um, and we did ourselves a disservice by not picking Keith. I mean, don't sleep on Keith. And you floor, told me I couldn't pick. Bottom. You're I right. Pick I did. On. I did. But Keith, you don't sleep on Keith on the floor. You don't sleep on Keith on the paintball course. I, you don't sleep on Keith in the gym. Like he's a baller, man. I guarantee, if you were to put a team together on that poll with all walk-ons. They would be probably voted up because it is Twitter, so everything that makes sense yeah, is just yeah, totally yeah. backward. For sure, so, and I could totally see uh, the upside down David, social media. Um, Hogan and Keith, I think, are the names of the new players. Right, somebody would have to check me on that. I Which think one that came from Richmond? That is Keith. Okay. And don't sleep on Keith. Don't no, sleep. I, I we like don't the sleep spiders. on Keith. <laughs> Richmond spiders are cool. Hey, it's it's fine. Yeah, I mean that, they they uh they gave us Quan four, four and yeah. uh, then they next year they turned around and gave us Keith. All right, closing <laughs> thoughts. Anything from tonight that stood out to you? Anything from this week? Yes. Just anything in life that stands out to you? From this draft poll we just did, sure. are we doing a BRL fantasy football draft slash league? I think yeah, we happening? should. I think we oh, should. We, we should. should figure that out. Oh, we yeah. should open it up to the public as a as a way to just kind of get to know people on Twitter. I think it'd be pretty cool. I'm gonna win though. I want to leave. How are last you gonna year. open it out to the? Like, wow. What do you mean by open it up to the public? Well, last year, so we did um, like, like for, results every week. No, like, no, 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 no. Like allow Twitter people to get in on the league. Like oh, go okay. From, I mean, there's not 12 of us on the site. I think that there is. I think that there's 10, maybe eight that are active in terms of communicating and let's, writing. Let's throw this out there. What's gonna be the qualifications? I think the four of us. You'll you guys will all play, right? I'm so definitely the four of us will be in. I think that Roth Profader, Ross Profader is going to be. Who is Roth? <laughs> what is that? Okay, I was thinking about so hard about the pronunciation <laughs> yeah. of the last name. If you gave me crap about Sonoris, you have to. No, 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 no. It is Profader. We had this conversation last time. Profader. Dude, yeah. we all thought it was Profader. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Profiter. Don't don't bring that up to Jake. Anyways, I think that Ross is going to be so in on this just because it just seems like – and I think that – DJ BNMA is going to be in. I could totally see he, Ross DJ having the number one. Yeah, Ross sure. is going to have like the fifth or sixth pick, and he's going to be like, I'm going to pick the most rookiest running back because I think they're going to have a breakout season. <laughs> no, <laughs> see, I could totally see Ross drafting on breakout. No, That's- Ross, is, Ross is the kind of guy that gets mad that he can't draft a backup defensive end. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they have great hips. This isn't a defense <laughs> No, I think, uh, think DJ is going to create a very – Unique team, and then immediately go into the Slack chat and just talk oh, talk crap about right. how he's going to dominate. Even though if he knows, even though I'm not going to understand this yeah, team. Yeah, let's let's lay out sucks. this league though. Sure. So so should we do twelve team? I think if you get outside, of, if you get outside of twelve team, and if you get anything, becomes, if you get anything less than twelve, there's too many good players. Twelve. Yeah, that's true. We got to do twelve. Sure. You yeah. can't have like Todd Gurley and Tom Brady on the I same team. Should I put it on the poll? Will you play in the fantasy? The big no, so we need to figure out now how we're going to decide who are in random crowdsourcing yeah, so people. How, like many spot, how many spots are available? So yeah, I think that we should we should sit down and maybe this will happen outside the podcast and figure out maybe ten names and then we vote on the names who who people want to be in the league and then we keep people updated. We is that with, too much? Maybe with some paintball. I don't know. We can, oh god. Yeah. No, I mean, and also we need to decide what the punishment is for the last place person. Oh 
I I'm going to be a bet whole you podcast. My, yeah, so oh, definitely. So I've got a friend that, that does uh, when, in their league. They don't do it for money, but what they do is the last place, the last two finishers have to dress up in some sort of costume and go through some kind of embarrassment, whether it's yeah. dressing up as a rabbit in a carrot or dressing up as a gorilla in a banana Shame. or dressing up Shame. as a princess and like a you know Disney character. Like that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing. I think that'd be an interesting. We got to do a first place thing though. Like first place, everybody buys them beer at Roosters and then pays for their cab home or something. Like that's a good. I would. I don't know who takes cabs that. anymore, but Yellow Taxi reminds be on that, alert. Reminds me of that college movie uh, that Jonah Hill was in, where he's wearing the the wiener suit. Super, oh, uh, uh, accepted. One of my Ask favorite. Ask me about my wiener. Dude, you gotta stop <laughs> screaming. It's so fun. It's okay because there's no one listening. Right? One, there has one to be. I, I d- didn't get the reference, and two, that was very loud. It's a great what? movie. It's, the uh, shit accepted. sandwiches. Yeah, are you yeah, kidding yeah. me? The South Harmon Institute of Technology. That's How much older are we than Ethan right now? What, that is one of legit the... my favorite movies of all time. I've seen it maybe. When I hear times. Jonah Hill, I Blake's think... Blake's been to the South Harmon Institute of Technology. <laughs> Blake is a shit sandwich, isn't he? Ethan, that's your homework this week. You, right. you have to go watch that movie. We have yeah. one vote on the Twitter I'll poll. <laughs> Would you play in the Big Red Louie Fantasy Is Football it no? League? It's no. <laughs> <laughs> I may- love that people are just like, I'm going to vote no. I'll show them. Once again, it's Twitter. So, yeah, that does make perfect sense. How does that fulfill your fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, in closing, I think one of my... <laughs> I mean, do you want to get back to closing? Or sure. Or, or, okay. You could just say I it guess. and just kind of fade away. From that. <laughs> Is that the last bit? How do you? Th- I mean, how do you think we should decide the last two to three people that are going to be in this? Some kind of three. survivor show yes. type of scenario. Yes. And, I mean, since you like the Bachelorette so much, maybe some roses we could somehow. Isn't that how it works? You I give think we should try to get a, an athlete in on this too. Like, maybe it's oh. Norris. Maybe, maybe Norris. it's maybe it's somebody what if else? we put like Keith Kelsey on our no because he's in the NFL, in the NFL what about we, if we put Ivan Green in our fantasy yeah, we have a comment Wood? now on the poll DJ Benemy says I would win he's down the NFL easy <laughs> <laughs> and that's the most predictable comment of all time alright guys it's been it's been a great time thank you thank you everybody for tuning in thank you to Sonoris Perry and Barton Simmons for their time tonight I thought that both of those interviews were really good um, especially being able to talk to Sonoris it's been a long time since you know I've seen anything with him in Louisville thank you guys again for tuning in we'll talk to you next week thanks buddy